No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Not good times. Oh, they're miserable times. And I'm going to get into it big time. Because within the last 72 hours, I have heard so much misinformation, disinformation coming right here from our mothership station, WABC, and mostly from uh, Frank Morano, who hosts The Other Side of Midnight, as you know, Monday through Fridays. Then I take it over Saturdays through Sundays. Completely different program. You know, he has a potpourri of different guests, a lot of UFOs, little gray aliens. You know, a little nonsense talk. But with me, it may be inconsequential, it may be nonsensical, but it is complete theater of the mind. But in the last 72 hours, oh my God. Later on in the show, we're gonna gonna have to play Sly and the Family Stones Family Affair because Eric Adams, I warned you about this, dropped two bombs today, appointing Phil Banks crooked cop, so crooked that when the FBI investigated him years ago, they said, "Hey, Phil, can you tell us why you got three hundred thousand dollars in your personal bank account?" Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Should have been in jail. And now he's the deputy mayor in charge of public safety, back-to-back, belly-to-belly, butt-to-nut. Eric Adams then appointed his younger brother, who had left the police department years ago as a sergeant and was in charge of parking somewhere in Virginia. I kid you not. He was in charge of parking. He's now the deputy police commissioner, earning $250,000 a year. Now, is that a definition of nepotism? Oh, we're going to get into all of that. And actually, Alvin Bragg, uh, Eric Adams is his Maytag, the brand-new Manhattan DA who says, Hey, just hug a thug. We don't need to arrest him and prosecute him. Hugs. Uh, hugs. Hugs. Oh, my God, my we got so much to go through. And then later on, Jimmy Walker. Now, am I going to be talking about the old mayor, Jimmy Walker, or Jimmy Walker, guy from the Bronx who became the biggest star in America in good times, right? I just like this song, right? Oh, dude, you don't want to go anywhere. Oh, I nearly knocked out the microphone. First off, let's start out with a piece of trivia because, as you know, part of my mantra from 1 to 6 in the morning today and then tomorrow, same time, same place except an additional hour, 12 midnight to 6 is that I sprinkle different forms of trivia throughout the five hours tonight. And so um, first off, we have to relate to what the temperatures are outside. It's below freezing. And I will tell you, and I've used this phrase for close to 30 years that I've been on talk radio. The hawk is talking. The hawk is talking outside. 
Now, if any of you know what that phrase means, you got to call up right now, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And you will qualify for Curtis Lebo Poopy Prize. Remember, the rules don't ask, don't tell, because I throw nickels around like manhole covers. I'm too cheap. You'll have to be satisfied with whatever little tchotchke I send you. It will be hermetically sealed in an envelope, uh, about a yard of scotch tape uh, around it, like a person who is emotionally disturbed. But I'll be sending it to you. COD, cash on delivery. Now, if you're a sucker enough to pay for the delivery, hey, you deserve the tchotchke. But let's start with, I listened to Frank Murano last night. I couldn't believe it. The guy says that trivia questions are not good talk topics. Again, trivia questions aren't great talk topics, you know, because once we learn it, it's kind of over. But it is interesting. I would not have guessed that. So now, here's Frank Morano, who has not been doing this as long as me. He does five days of the other side of midnight. I do, too. And he's saying that trivia questions don't make for good talk topics. He couldn't be more hopelessly wrong. Immediately, remember, you can't be stung God. Your brain cannot be frozen because it is below freezing out there. Where did the term, the hawk, is talking come from? And what does it mean? So on a cold day when it's below freezing, the hawk is talking. That gets across the fact that it's cold out there. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Oh, yeah, and I was here earlier this morning to join Sid Rosenberg. Uh, Bernard McGurk was uh, at home having some ramifications uh, from his treatment for prostate cancer. We'll get into that later on. So uh, Sid was flexing. He was solo. And he asked me to come in. And so, you know, I uh, came in. And we were talking about the state of the uh, subways, the homeless, the emotionally disturbed persons there. But I was riffing. I was riffing. And, in fact... uh, Sid, who oftentimes gets, uh, as you know, uh, just totally consumed with being Sid, decided that he was going to mention what Frank had said earlier as Frank was ranking talk show hosts here at WABC. Hey, Frank. How's it going? Um, I want to know your top five most talented hosts in WABC currently, and are you in that list? Uh, that's a good question. Well, you know, like it's tough to judge yourself, right? Uh, so I uh, let let me see top. Five. I got to put Sid Rosenberg. Don't be modest. Don't be modest. No, nah, I got to put Sid Rosenberg in there. Got to put uh, I got to put Curtis Sliwa in there. Uh, so I'm gonna put Bernard. I'm gonna. Can I put Sid and Bernie as one entry, or do I have to put that as two? Because they are a team. I think you. I think you got to pick. I think you got to pick. Okay. Well, no. I well, no. Your then favorite, I'll put them both. In, child. Right? So no. I saw because they 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 both kind of make the show uh, what it is. So uh, you got Sid, you got Curtis, you got uh, John Katzmatidis, Bernie McGurk, and and Dominic Carter. So Sid plays that, and then who happens to be the phone screener? But mm, Phil, aka as we found out, his nickname Flip. So, um, Phil, I noticed that 
You were stroking Frank Morano. Oh, he was the best, and I liked the rest. Sid and Bernie. And no mention of myself there. Huh? Huh? You hipster, you millennial. It's, uh, it, it's, it's a rough time in radio. I, I can't pick favorites, but whoever I'm screening at the time, they're my favorite. Curtis, I can tell you right now, the best talk radio host, not yeah, only in New this. York, this. in all of America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop starching my BVDs and Fruit of the Loom. But meantime, as bad as you were, your choices were truncated. You left at, hey, number one, Frank, number two, Sid and Bernie. Who was the board op today? Not Bruce, but who was the board op this morning? That was Justin Ellick. All right, so Justin Ellick then goes to a laundry list of it had to be like 20 people who've worked here at WABC, uh, including Dr. Gil Edelman. He mentioned all of them and not me. And I walk into the studio and I'm like, I fornicating him, mad dogging me. I said, well, Justin. You mentioned everyone under the sun, including Dr. Gil Lederman. And not even a mention to me, he goes, oh, well, that was understood. This is the retaliation of the 20s crowd that is here working at WABC. They're not even hipsters and millennials. They're what? Generation Y, Generation X. Well, well, what generation are you, Phil? Or oh, 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 better known as uh, Flip. That's your nickname. I, I think I'm. I think I'm Gen. I don't know which one's the late nine. Is that Gen X? I don't even Who know. Who the hell knows? You're all confused. You all don't know anything about radio. You sit here and you stare, and then you spout nonsense when you're finally asked to come on the air. Uh, rate the talk show host here at WABC. So here's Flip. Oh, Frank Morano, number one. Sid and Bernie, number two. And then Justin, who runs to a laundry list of at least 20 different talk show hosts. Some of them are dead. They're not even here anymore. And I'm sitting right there in the studio with Sid Rosenberg. Never mention me. This was done purposely. But, you know, uh, unlike Sid and some of the other folks uh, who are talk radio hosts, I'm not insecure. No, 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 no. I've been called everything in the book. I've been called a dope, a buffoon, a clown, a racist. You name it. We go through the whole laundry list. So don't even try it, Phil. Don't even try to schnore me, Phil, a.k.a. Flip. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I put out that trivia question, and again, could I could I hear Frank talk about how trivia questions do not make good radio? This is Frank. Trivia questions do not make good radio. The first one, the first one, Bruce. Go back to what we first played, number 18. Again, trivia questions aren't great talk topics, you know, because once we learn it, it's kind of over. But it is interesting. I would not have guessed that. See that? Now, here it is. The guy's a rookie compared to me. A trivia uh, answers are not good talk. They lead into good talk topics. You're going to see that today. But what would Frank know, right? Come on. He's a rookie at this. All right, he's on the varsity team, but he's a bit of a rookie. Let's see if we get an answer to what the term the hawk is talking means. Let's try Elaine in Riverdale. Your turn to be heard here in WABC, Elaine. Hello, Curtis. The hawk is in reference to the wind, the cold wind out of Chicago that makes it sound like a hawk. Very good, Elaine. Excellent. And you know where I learned that term, Elaine? Where did you learn it? 
My father, Chester, grew up south side of Chicago. He was the oldest of four boys, Polish-American family. He lived on 46th in Rockwell, where I actually lived for uh, four of my first five years when we moved there briefly and then came back to Brooklyn. And uh, before there was global warming and climate change, on a winter day like today, uh, that cold wind coming off uh, Lake Michigan, it felt like it was 40 degrees below zero. It would cut you in half. And all along, right. all along the south side, because that was predominantly the African-American area, right along the water, were all the jazz clubs. And so you'd have um, Louis Armstrong, some of the other great trumpeteers, the horn players, and they would say to the crowd when they walked inside, the hawk is talking out there. you got to give me a few uh, minutes uh, to get uh, <laughs> circulation in my lips before I could blow the horn. Uh-huh. So you see, Elaine, you knew. In the meantime, Frank Morano says that trivia questions are not good talk topics. That is an excellent talk topic for today's weather, right? Yes, it is. And before you hang up, I have an EVM for you that you and Nancy are going to love. Oh, it's what? called All I Do Is Sit Around and Wait for Better Days. All I do, uh, Bruce, if you could write that down, we have to uh, go through our EDM files because I am an aficionado, and Nancy is, of electronic dance music. What is the oh, name? What, what is the, wow, Elaine, how old are you? I'm 81. 81, and you love electronic dance music like I do. Oh, I can get jiggy with it, of course. Yes, you can get jiggy. <laughs> That's right. Nancy gets cheeky with me when we put on the EDM. And now the song you're suggesting, Bruce, make sure you write this down meticulously. And Phil, a.k.a. Flip. Uh, what's the name of that and EDM song? I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, uh, all I do is sit around and wait for better days. Since you're always saying you have had better days, I figured it's not proposed to you. Wow, you're absolutely right. That would be perfect for me because you know, Elaine, don't ever call up and ask, hey, how you doing? Because I'm just going to turn around to the caller and say I've had better days. Excellent. Excellent. This is amazing. At 81, Elaine can get jiggy with electronic dance music. See, that's, wow, she's older than me. I mean, I'm getting up there. I do it. I was the oldest uh, follower of electronic dance music. Can you imagine Elaine in the EDM clubs of Williamsburg getting jiggy? You know, taking a little molly, a little ecstasy, like uh, Phil Wood here, a.k.a. Uh, flap, scrap, flip, whatever they call him. <laughs> I can see Elaine taking some molly and some ecstasy and with that pacifier in her mouth. Because, you know, you lose all of a sudden any moisture in your mouth and you end up like a little baby sucking on a pacifier. That's how I know I can walk up to somebody at a club and say, oh, oh, yeah, a little Molly, huh? a little ecstasy, huh? a little special K, huh? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Every time. 
Gets jiggy on EDM. Ed Sheeran and Bad Habits, the favorite song of Nancy and Curtis Sliwa. Oh, yeah, we get jiggy all night, all day long on this song about bad habits. And I'm sort of critiquing some of the bad habits of uh, Frank Morano, who does five uh, mornings of the other side of midnight. I do the other two. We're going to get that, to that momentarily because I warned him about this when uh, Rachel, his wife, on Thanksgiving Day first brought into the world uh, their son, Carmine, all 13 pounds of him. My God, did you, did you look at his pictures lately? He's kicking it, 18 pounds, man. I mean, what are they feeding the guy? Ring dings, devil dogs, Twinkies? Have that mercy on the kid. 18 pounds since Thanksgiving. But anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Speaking of music, guess what? Today would have been, what, the 87th birthday of Elvis Presley, who I hate, I loathe, I despise. That pedophile on a pedestal. Like uh, Jerry Lee Lewis's cousin, Great balls of fire, you know, down there south of the Mason-Dixon line where they live in those trailer parks, the three-eyed cousin fornicators, uh, there's no such thing as age required. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, oh, in junior high school, that's okay. Yeah, no different than R. Kelly and uh, Michael Jackson, the other pedophiles on the pedestal. But anyway, Elvis Presley would have been 87 years old today. From uh, Tupelo, Mississippi. Remember that's M I S S I S S I S S I S S I S S I S S I S S I S S I S S I P P I. That's when you were playing touch football on the streets, and it was ten Mississippi's, and then you charged the quarterback. Remember those days? But anyway, Elvis, who was like what ten thousand pounds at the time, died on the porcelain palace in Memphis. But what was he? This being a significant day for the observant. What was Elvis Presley that made him unique? Um, Very similar to Colin Powell, who recently passed away, son of the South Bronx, went to Morris High School, City University, and you know the rest of that story. But he and Elvis Presley share one thing in common, and it's not uh, Colin Powell's ability to sing. I know he's uh, West Indian, Caribbean, West Indian, uh, but he cannot sing. Needs to uh, keep it in the shower stall. What is it that Elvis and Colin Powell both did once a week? And they shared with other individuals around the country from coast to coast. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And again, Bruce, uh, can we play the Frank Morano cut 
about how trivia doesn't make for good talk topics, what the hell would he know? What would he know? That's number 18, Bruce. All right, all right, uh, we're not going to get to it, so just forget it. Forget it. Let's go to Michael in Ridgewood, New Jersey, near the Duck Pond. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Michael. Curtis. Uh, the station has to revamp its uh, musical lineup for bumper music. Ah. It started up with Chuck Mangione on A&M Records. Chuck Mangione, Okay. And you go looking around for the 45 or the LP that has Glenn and Make Believe on it. Okay. Then you go to uh, Donna Summer, the disco lady. Okay, I, I can get into that. Definitely, Donna Summers. Do that... MacArthur Park. Okay, all right. Then you do Maynard Ferguson doing the same section, uh-huh. MacArthur Park. And on the Conquistador album. Gonna fly now. The theme from Rocky. Wow, this is a quite Columbia uh, record. It's quite an eclectic uh, taste in music that you have. You're like all over the map on your musical uh, uh, selections. Don't forget the Afro American. You got to look in the used record store for a good recording by uh, Nat King Cole. Nat King Cole. All right, we just went through the Christmas music with Nat King Cole, so please, Michael, uh, no more Christmas I'm music. about the non-Christmas music Okay, you did. all right, well, that's the good. The Lazy, Hazy, Crazy Days of Summer. Oh, okay, okay. Now, and, now what, uh, Michael, Michael, let me, let, me ask, uh, let me ask you a question. So far, I've only liked one of your musical selections. What the hell makes you... Uh, musical program director. What what makes you think you could program a station with music? I studied music in school. Well, that that would grade disqualify. Grade. I, I must grade, tell you, that would that would immediately disqualify you in my mind. You, you studied music in school. Do you know how many of our listeners studied music in school? How many were part of band? How many part were orchestra? How many were in the chorus? Do you realize that, Michael? I believe so, but uh, I took theory my senior year in high school. Oh, so that makes you a, a music expert, right, Michael? Quite frankly, last yes, compared to what people are putting out as good music now. Okay, all right. So, Mr. Armchair, musical director of WABC, here's Michael who came across with an eclectic uh, selection of songs that we should use as sort of bumpers, you know, coming back into the show, leaving the show, only one of which I liked. Everything else, I wouldn't even listen to one time, I'm telling you. So, But you're the expert because you majored in music and high school, and you know everything, right, Mike? Pretty much I've got my parents' collection. I have what I, I acquired. And by the way... So you have your parents' collection, so this makes you a musical expert. Oh, Roger my Williams my. on the Roger piano Williams. for Cap Records. I hate Roger Williams. I really do. You're, you're making me nauseous here. You're really making me nauseous, Michael. Can't you throw anybody else into the mix that might, might actually turn my frown upside down into a smile, huh? <laughs> oh, I'll let us say... 
Luciano Pavarotti. Oh, Pavarotti, I hate him. I despise him. I loathe him. All those tenors. What make, and what, what, what about Mario Lanza? Oh, Mario Lanza. Why not go back to uh, Enrico Caruso, huh, Mike? Yeah, Arturo Toscanini conducting oh, the NBC Symphony. God. Leopold Sikorsky conducting oh, the Philadelphia and the acoustic oh, and early electric. God, I'm dying. And I'm electric dying. and through the 30s. I'm, di- the I'm, 40s, I'm dying. I'm dying here. 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 Oh, my. No, no, my. This guy's a musical expert. Uh, are there any... Any others of you who are listening right now, you were in band in high school, you were in orchestra, you were in the chorus, you know, you're all musical experts. Remember when music was like mandatory? And then they stripped it out of all the schools. I mean, I remember I was in the chorus. But I remember some of my friends in Bill C. Junior High School, they were in orchestra, they were the band. It was all part of an education, a well-rounded education. And then naturally the bureaucrats who misspend all the money. I mean, look at New York City, $36 billion budget for the Department of Education. The acronym means dumbest organization ever. And almost nothing goes to the study of music. Used to be in every school, every elementary school, every junior high school, every high school in the public school system. Now... You barely see it. It stripped it right out of the curriculum. Maybe some of you are like musical experts like Michael here, you know. Oh, I majored in music in my senior year in high school. I inherited the musical collection of my of my mom and dad. The vinyl. That makes you an expert. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Again, not one guess. I threw out a question. What did Colin Powell, who just recently passed away, son of the South Bronx graduate of Morris High School, and Elvis Presley, who would have been 87 years old today, born in Tupelo, Mississippi, share in common, even though they were so far away from one another? Boy, I can tell you I'm writing right into the Frank Morano audience here. You know, what was that, that million-dollar prize uh, that he offers or something like that? In it's, the a thousand. it's a thousand. It's a thousand. It might as well be a million. Guy who says, first question, we're going to do that in the 4 o'clock hour. First question, what city is the Empire State Building in? And that schmuck, that putz, that pisher, that Norduel, that schmendrick, he said Albany. <laughs> and then he gets it wrong, so he curses out, Frank. Yeah, that's the Frank Morano audience. This is what I'm stuck with. You know, because I do two, two nights, overnights, the other side of midnight. I do it differently. And then Frank does five. Well, can you imagine that? He's giving away a thousand. Remember, when I was substituting for him and Rachel had just birthed Carmine, who came out at 13 pounds, remember, in Richmond, uh, high, uh, Richmond Hospital in Staten Island, delivered by the midwife who was on loan from Mount Laredo, the 92-year-old nun. You remember that? Uh, the midwife and then the uh, nurse ratchet there. Hey, do I need to take you back? Come on, remember all of that, ladies and gentlemen? And then we had the guy who called up who said he was a graduate of uh, Bronx High School of Science, remember? Columbia University said he never, ever, ever listens to WABC. He just happened to hear me that morning. He's a WINS, you know, 1010 wins guy. And he got 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10. 
Hugo, you imagine Frankie would have had a heart attack if he had to come up with a thousand bucks. But anyway, his call is first out of the box. Uh, what city is the Empire State Building located in? Albany. And then Frank berates him and he goes, F you, Frank. These are Frank Morano listeners. Oh, what, what have I inherited here? My, no, no, my. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Oh, and then I, I warned Frank and I warned Rachel about little Carmine crying. I said, do not have little Carmine listening to talk radio because that's going to give him agita, insecurities. You don't let a kid listen to talk radio. So what has been happening with little Carmine? It's been a rough week. Not only has my son, little Carmine, been not sleeping, he's been up, and he's just very difficult to satisfy. He gets up, he cries, you feed him, he cries. You change him, he cries. You burp him, he cries. He just seems perpetually unhappy unless he's being held. Sometimes even if he's being held, he still wants to cry. So neither my wife nor me have gotten any sleep. And on top of that, uh, my wife is uh, feeling all sorts. She's she's a little sick this week, too. I'll spare you the details. But um, she's exhausted. And I'm hoping that we can get out of here early, be done with this meeting early, and uh, we can both get some, all three of us can get some rest today. We'll see what happens. Yeah. What did I say? Now, guys, you were here, Bruce, and you were here, uh, Flip, uh, Phil, whatever the hell your nickname is. Didn't I say early on you should not have Carmine listening to talk radio, especially overnight? Didn't I say that? Yeah, you did. I remember it. I said it would be traumatic to the child. I was saying that somebody from child welfare in New York City or Dyfus in New Jersey who are in charge of child welfare should do an intervention. Remember I said that this is going to be damaging to the child. So Frank, he's like all befuddled. I don't understand why Carmine is always crying. Well, it's not because of diaper rash or diaper itch or any of that. It's because he's had a steady diet of talk radio. I mean, imagine if you were a brand new baby and all you heard, Joe Biden sucks, January 6th. Yeah, let's get it on. Trump is God, the Mashiach. Imagine if you were a kid. You're being weaned. You just popped out of the womb. And you got Frank Morano subjecting his son to some of the most crass, vicious, low-down statements, the bile that comes out of some of our callers' mouths. You going to expose that to a little baby? No wonder why he's 18 pounds now. Tipping the scales towards 19. That kid's going to end up being a sumo wrestler, an American sumo wrestler. You know, they used to have him from Samoa that would compete in Japan. When I started the Guardian Angels in Japan, I actually saw a sumo uh, uh, match in the prefecture of Tokyo. Huge area, huge area. So occasionally, they've had Americans compete from either Hawaii or from Samoa. American Samoa, of course. one 800 by the way, uh, as talk radio listeners, wouldn't you give advice to uh, Frank Morano and Rachel not to have little Carmine listening to talk radio? I mean, come on. Uh, it's bad enough for adults at times. It can cause you to get nauseous like it does me sometimes. Give you a migraine headache. Look, I know we love it. We're addicted to it. But at times, it's like same old, same old. Hate, 
bile. You know, like it exists between me and the aggressive progressive on Sundays, Chris Hahn, when we do battle from three to five, right? You know, it's adversarial. It's, it's not what a child should have. And, and then all of a sudden, he is surprised. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. Again, the trivia question was, what is it that Elvis Presley, who would have been 87 today, born in Tupelo, Mississippi, had in common with uh, General Colin Powell, who passed away recently, son of the South Bronx, graduate of Morris High School? Uh, let's go, uh, if we can, to Russ. All the way in Columbus, Ohio, your turn to be heard here on WABC, Russ. Hey, I just want to let you know that uh, Colin Powell, I met Elvis Presley in the Army and uh, thought it was one of the best things that ever happened to him as far as his family was concerned. Hmm. Oh, so what do they have in common? Yeah, they were both in the uh, Army together at the same time. Uh, Russ, well, you, you are correct on that, but you couldn't be more hopelessly wrong on this. Uh, but you're close. You're close, Russ. Uh, all they had to do, all they had to do was perform tasks one day a week, one day a week. And they were very dutiful about it. Uh, Elvis, the mama Luke in Tupelo, Mississippi, you know, he loved his mother. Uh, and Colin Powell, uh, with his West Indian accent at that time, yeah, he had a bit of a West Indian accent, like Sidney Poitier did, who was from the Bahamas. We'll talk about, about his passing later on. But it's it's a tradition that they did once a week. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Ralph in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Ralphie. Yeah, uh, good evening. Listen, Carter, I'm going to ask you a question about Brooklyn. Yeah, well, before you ask the question, get me off the speaker and put your mouth right there on the phone, pal. Yeah, okay. 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 All right. Uh, That's good. Listen, that's good for you? Uh, Oh, no, no, that'll work for me. I think it'll work for the audience. Does it work for you, Ralph? Yeah, it's cool, man. All right. So, you see, now, why did you keep me on speaker instead of just... Keeping that phone like ready to go. Oh, well, why did you do that to me, Ralph? Because I'm an asshole. I'm an ass. You know what? Well, yeah, yeah, you are. Don't, don't worry about it, Bruce. That's fine. That's not one of the uh, George Carlin seven words. Hey, Bruce, he's all nervous. So uh, we gotta, we yeah. gotta dump. We gotta dump. Uh, uh, Ralph is not gonna have to have his mouth washed out with Felsnap the soap if he's a Gentile or Rokish if he was born Jewish. But go ahead, Ralph. Uh, I want to ask a particular part of Brooklyn. You know, you know, I heard of the Canarsie section of Brooklyn. Oh my! How much do I talk about Canarsie, Ralph? Okay, okay. Let me ask you this. Yeah, I grew up there. I lived on Ninety uh, Third and Avenue N. Oh, the, the other side of the cemetery. The other side of the cemetery. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not not that far. Yeah, well, but you anyway. know that was the only sec- secular cemetery in all of New York City, owned by the city of New York. That's why they did such a lousy job in that cemetery. But go ahead, Ralph. I know. Uh, I haven't been there in like maybe forty years. Oh. I want to know is is it worth going back to that part of Brooklyn? Well, just my own Ralph, my well, old homestead. Where, where do you where do you live now, Ralph? Me, I live in Manhattan now. I'm sharing an apartment with somebody. You know what I think I'm going to do. Because you're not alone, Ralph. You're not alone. A lot of people ask me. Uh, I've lived in East New York, too, and Brownsville. And I've lived in South Ozone Park on 88th and Boyd. And I lived in Old Howard Beach. I think what I'm going to do 
is uh, put together an underbelly tour, an underbelly tour of Brooklyn and Queens, the places that I live, and basically be like a tour guide. Uh, maybe I can invite you, Ralph, and some of our other listeners. Uh, you know, we'll go from spot to spot. We'll start in Canarsie on 89th and J, uh, where I grew up. Then we'll go over to East New York, Cleveland, and New Lots, where I live. Then Osborne and Hegeman in Brownsville. Then 88th and Boyd in South Ozone Park, right next to the uh-huh. A train on its way to Leffords Boulevard. And then finally, Old Howard Beach, as opposed to New Howard Beach, or the beach that nobody knows, Hamilton Beach. Does that sound good, Ralph? Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, hey, Phil. Uh, Phil, uh, a.k.a. Slap, Flip, or Dip. I think I like Dip. Uh, could you take Ralph's information and let's stay in touch with Ralph? Uh, I realize Ralph may not have a phone. Uh, he may have to use a pay phone. He may be only entitled to, like, one phone. Yeah, but what, what I want to know, man, is just, just give me the bottom line. Is it the same or is it, like, totally no, freaked like, out? I can't, I can't do that to you, man. I can't I can't speak for you. I'm Curtis Lee. I look... At things to a different lens. What you think yeah. it may be, you're going to have to experience it. We will transport you and some of our other listeners. We will call it the Curtis Lee <laughs> Underbelly Tour of Brooklyn and Queens uh, before everybody decides to sell their house and move out. How about that, huh? Yeah, it's, that's wonderful. Okay, man. well, uh, Flip, Dip, uh, whatever your uh, name is, you take Rob's information. Yeah, I think this is a good idea. You know, they always say benchmarks. You know, Matt Meany, who's our brand-new program director, has no sense of humor. Uh, He's good with the analytics. You know, he's like the coaches they get now in football and basketball and especially baseball. Analytics, analytics, analytics. We need benchmarks, benchmarks. How about that as a benchmark? The Curtis Lee Underbelly Tour. Starting in Canarsie, goes to Brownsville, never ran, never will. East New York. We then put on our bulletproof body condoms. We do the bird right across the conduit. We go right into South Ozone Park through Lindenwood. And then all of a sudden we're in uh, Old Howard Beach, sandwiched between Hamilton Beach, the beach that nobody knows, and New Howard Beach, which is the home of a lot of my enemies uh, who still want to still want me to swim with the fishes in Jamaica Bay. Oh, by the way, oh, before I appeared with Sid Rosenberg in the morning earlier, I had a uh, anchovy sandwich. Man, that'll grow hair on your chest. Six o'clock in the morning. I had two pieces of silver cup bread. Because that's all that was left in the house. I don't know how many years it had been there. Nancy didn't tell me. And I had a whole can of anchovies. I opened it. I love anchovies. I smeared it into the two pieces of silver cup bread. I had myself an anchovy sandwich. I was in heaven. I know for some of you it grosses you out, right, anchovy sandwiches. By the way, nobody seems to have nailed the question. Frank Murano says, oh, trivia never leads to discussions. Of course it does, Frank. Because your listeners don't even know what Elvis Presley, who would have been 87 years old today, born in Tupelo, Mississippi, a real mamaluke, a pedophile on a pedestal, had in common with General Colin Powell, graduate of Morris High School in the heart of the South Bronx. They did it. Once a week. Let me make it a little easier. They did it from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Oh, my God. I'm like serving it up to you. I'm like soft serving up the answer. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Carol, who's patiently waiting on the line in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Carol. 
Did, did they practice Shabbat? Ah, okay, okay. Oh, you're, you're very that's, close. That's what I'm thinking. But there's a there's, there's a certain term uh, for young men mm. who uh, perform a duty as a Gentile on Shabbat. Oh, oh, okay. But you're, well, you're like halfway there, Carol. You're halfway there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got to tell you, you guys are fantastic. Three of you, Frank. And Sid and you, you're you're amazing. I think you're wonderful. Well, you know, Carol, um, uh, I beg to differ with you on in one respect. Um, okay. Sid Rosenberg definitely insecure. Uh, Frank Morano definitely insecure. Uh, they need cranes to get them in and out of the studio. They have such humongous <laughs> egos. They really do. I mean, they talk about what oh. Um. Um, Curtis, I'm calling and said, did you receive my Christmas card? Oh, your Christmas card. Did I card. send you guys? Wow. You and Nancy? Where, where, where did you send it? To the post office box. Oh, poor. you really think they give me my mail from the post office box? You know they don't like me at the post office. Because you know, oh, I'm always calling no, them. That's not true. I'm always calling them gold bricks, uh, slackers. Have you ever walked into a post office and then you look in the back and there are the bundle blessers? You know what they are? As the bundles go uh, by on the conveyor belt, they're yeah, blessing know. them. Uh, yeah. You know, with the sign of the cross, uh, they grow barnacles on their backside. <laughs> you really, you really think? Wait, I said. You and Nancy a card that you would absolutely love. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna file a complaint with the U.S. Postal Service that is bankrupt that we subsidize each and every year, and where guys and gals in the back, wherever you are, whatever local post office you use, please ask them to take you into the back of your local post office. Watch the conveyor belt as the mail goes by, and they have the no-show jobs of what you call the bundle blessers. They bless the bundle as they go by. Yeah, you, you think they're going to treat me? You think they're going to give me my mail after that? Hey, I got I to yes, tell, tell the I truth, said, Carol. I yeah. sent Frank Ferrano a card. Oh, my God. Him. Him. This is what he does. He goes out there. He collects bottles and cans. He recycles them. He gets uh, the nickels uh, per can. And then he'll go out and he'll send a letter across town and it arrives like two weeks later. This schmuck, this putz, this pisha, this this schmendrick believes in the U.S. Postal Service. He, he still handwrites letters. You know, he gets the stamp, licks the stamp, and, you know, licks the, the glue on the envelope, cuts his I tongue. I don't lick any, any envelope. Oh, the other day. Not he, after uh... No, he, he sends postcards. I mean, he's old school. But when he licks the envelope to close it, the Gavon, he cuts his tongue. He starts bleeding on the envelope. And then he wonders he why he, it takes him two days before he can eat anything after that. But he goes, oh, no, no. I got to send letters, letters, letters. We need letters, letters, letters. It's guys like Frank who live to stand at the mailbox when the, when the guy from the local post office arrives and gives him all the junk mail. Frank actually uh, sends in requests for junk mail. You know how sometimes they say, could you put us on the mailing list? And it's all junk mail. Frank mm-hmm. likes, likes it so that he gets a whole pile 
pile of mail from the mailman or mailwoman. So other people look at him and go, oh, he must be very popular. He must be uh, somebody that somebody that people like to write to. Meantime, it's all junk mail, Carol. Yeah, I know. No, no, it's yeah, okay. It's okay, cards. but I noticed, no, you noticed, you no, noticed the... Tr- Christmas cards are not junk mail. Yeah, trust me. It's all junk mail. It's all junk mail. He's so happy. Sometimes he comes in here before a show at night, the other side of midnight. He's got junk mail everywhere, right, Bruce? Junk mail everywhere. It's not a, not a letter there. It's all junk mail. He actually sends away so that people will fill his mailbox full of junk mail. Anyway, you know, I asked that question. What did uh, Elvis Presley and Colin Powell have in common? Uh, Our previous caller got halfway there. Who's going to take us the other nine miles? Let's go to John in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here on WABC. Johnny? Uh, Curtis, the the correct answer on on what you're looking for is Shabbos Goy. Yes, yes, John. And what were the responsibilities of a Gentile who was a Shabbos Goy for an observant family? What would their responsibilities be? The responsibility would be to turn the lights on, yes. turn the lights off, yes. use the the key to open up the door, to lock the door, because anything to do with metal or power, electricity, whatever, could not be done by somebody who was religious and observed Shabbos. Good. Now, uh, uh, there are two other things that would be normal, a normal request of a Shabbos Goy. Uh, one would be uh, to light the burner. You know, to light the burner, because you can't strike That's a match, true. you can't do that. And then this was the classic one. And apparently Elvis Presley was best at this uh, because he liked to, when separating the toilet paper, the two-ply. He liked the two-ply toilet paper, you know, the Charmin uh, two-ply toilet paper. So he would actually separate it because observant Jews cannot rip any paper, cannot rip any toilet paper. It has to be pre-ripped beforehand before they put it on their tuchus or their tush or their dupa. Okay, I wasn't aware of that one. Oh, see, you learned something today, right, John? I did, absolutely. I definitely learned something from you, Curtis. By now, uh, John, are you a Gentile or are you a Jew? I'm Jewish. Oh, my God. Wow, it's like you learned something. I I mean, I topped a burning bush. Absolutely. This is great. You know, that's what I should do. Ask the Gentile. You know, uh, let me meander a second. Many of you may not be aware, but years ago I was doing Morning Drive, 91 and 94, with my wife Lisa at the time. I forget which one she was. Oh, n- number two. Uh, and uh, as I was doing Morning Drive at WABC, Angels in the Morning, for Zeb Brenner, Talk Line Communication, once a week I would go up to Rockland County in Nanuet, and I would do Ask the Gentile on what station? W-L-I-R, that's right, before John Katzmatidis bought him. I was doing it in Rockland County, a two-watt station, and there were all the guys from Williamsburg and Borough Park because they'd be there in Muncie, New City, the whole nine yards. They'd be asking questions of me in Yiddish, and all of a sudden Shlomo, who was the board operator and the phone screener, would translate to me in my headphones in English what it was that Yitzhak was asking me, and I would ask her in perfect English, and they would say, how do you know? How do you know Yiddish? Now, say, look, you work retail, you pick up Yiddish. You pick up the good words, you pick up the bad words. <sighs> That's very true. Very good. Well, I appreciate that, John. Thank you uh, for giving me uh, Torah credits, uh, Talmud credits here. Excellent job. Up next, in all my 30 years of talk radio, I have come to the rescue of people in distress. 
has had Sid Rosenberg, Bernard McGurk, almost anybody who's made their bones in Ted uh, in talk radio. This week I was ashamed what I heard as a trucker in distress called in from I-95, snowed in. Uh, like uh, Tim Kaine, the senator of Virginia, couldn't go anywhere for like 28 hours. And Frank Romano left the guy hanging. I mean, my God. If you're ever in a, an emergency, you do not want to be calling up Frank Morano. It's bad enough to have to call 911 and be treated like a person of no consequence. But we're going we're gonna to delve into it up next, right here as we continue to the 6 o'clock hour, a stream of consciousness, courtesy on WABC. The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. Listen, baby. You know it. Oh, when you're dancing, yeah. You show it. Oh, when you move, move, move. You know it. Oh, when you're dancing, yeah. You show it. As you move across the floor. Chachki time here at WABC. Uh, let's see our phone screen at Phil Flip Dip, whatever your name is. Who chose Frank and then Sid and Bernie as the best talk show host here, even though I was sitting in with Sid uh, earlier today. Bernard uh, McGurk uh, was at home. He'll be back on Monday. And uh, the board operator at the time who gave like 20 different hosts and hosts, uh, hostesses here at WABC, half of them dead. Uh, and they mentioned that Dr. Gil Liederman was better than me. I mean, that that was like a, a total pimp slap to me. Why? Because all these 20-year-olds, right, they hate me. They despise me. They loathe me because I don't let them slap. And the deadbeats and gold bricks, which typically with a guy like Frank, they are. Oh, they can say anything. As long as they, as long as they uh, chew Frank Morano's BVDs and Fruit of the Looms or Sid Rosenberg, stroke them like peacocks. They can get away with anything. Me, it doesn't work. But I think we got to really get into this because uh, the only thing that these uh, 20-year-olds or hipsters or millennials respond to is free stuff, free stuff. You know, free education, don't pay your student loans, free, free, free. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do for you, Flip, Dip, whatever your uh, nickname is, and Bruce. I'm going to give you a a $10 monthly subscription uh, to Taco Bell. They have that now. $10. $10. You can get your soft tacos, your nachos, your burritos, your quesadillas, or whatever the hell that crap is. Uh, or you could get your Jimmy Changos, uh, Jimmy Changos, or whatever. Uh, that make you happy there? That's the best Orthodox Christmas gift I could ever ask for. Yeah, you see, with your, your jalapeno peppers in there, so it'll burn your stomach lining out. Because later on, we're going to talk about Frank Morano was saying, oh, apparently uh, stress, stress gives you Crohn's disease. What the hell would he know about Crohn's disease? I suffer with chronic Crohn's disease. Everybody's an expert on these things. Unbelievable. 
Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And what was the trivia question that I asked right before we went to break there? Let's see if uh, Bruce uh, or Flip or Dip or whatever his nickname is was paying attention. Were you paying attention, uh, Phil? What was the trivia question that I asked right before we went to the break, huh? 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 Was it the uh, was huh? it the Elvis and the Colin Powell one or am I? Oh man, we already dealt with that slam dunk. Man, you've been smoking too much herb. That's your problem, man. Guy has a Bob Marley shirt on there. He's got uh, one of the monkey sock caps on his head. There, I'm telling you, you you're a real stoner here. A real stoner. Phil's the stoner, and Bruce. He's looking at me like, what the hell is he talking about? I thought we answered all the trivia questions. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight W A B C. So let's uh, go back to Frank Morano and his miscare. Of Carmine, young Carmine, who was birthed into this world on Thanksgiving Day, listening to talk radio a mile a minute, up at night, like a lot of kids are. They're nocturnal. You know, they're like cats. They're like rats. They're like mice. They're like rodents. They're like bats. Never tell you the time that I was hanging upside down at the uh, cemetery in Canarsie. Secular cemetery, I might add. Uh, the only one in all of New York City. And the city just uh, ran it right into the ground. Get it right into the ground. That's where they put the caskets. Oh, Phil got that. Phil got that. Flip got that. Bruce got that. That wasn't too intellectually challenging to you. Uh, but I would go into the back of Canarsie Cemetery. I would hang from the trees during the day, way high up in those elm trees. And the bats were there hanging upside down because they were nocturnal. Except one day, one of the bats decided, I guess, to wake up in the middle of the day. He saw me hanging upside down like his colleagues, the other bats, who would go on a feeding frenzy late at night. And he bit me. And then I felt like halfway out of the tree, I busted my uh, medulla, my cerebellum. They took me to Bellevue Hospital. And then they gave me horse needles. They said I had to have rabies shots. They must have given me like a dozen rabies shots. I mean, these needles were the size of darning needles. And I know that some of you guys there are darning socks and sweaters as we speak. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's very manly, darning. Who, who darns? What guys are out there darning, unless you're doing like 20 years to life in some prison and you got nothing to do with your time, right? But anyway, I got like these needles, like what, 12, 13 of these huge needles stuck into my stomach because the fear was if you got rabies, whether it was from a dog bite or it was from a rat bite or a bat bite or any kind of uh, infected animals, that you would start frothing from the mouth and you could potentially die, die of toxicity. How many of you ever got those rabies shots? When it was thought that whatever animal or whatever bird of flight or whatever bat landed on you and bit you and might cause you to expire. I mean, it was considered that dangerous back then. But if I were given a chance to do it again and hang upside down in the back there of Canarsie Cemetery on those old elm trees with the bats was (laughs) sleeping during the day, preparing for their nocturnal pursuits. Like going like locusts through the cornfield at night. Hey, I do it again. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Here's Frank Morano talking about Little Carmine. And I think we can come up with some remedies for him. I really do. Okay? It's been a rough week. Not only has my son, Little Carmine, been not sleeping. He's been up 
and he's just very difficult to satisfy. He gets up, he cries, you feed him, he cries. You change him, he cries. You burp him, he cries. He just seems perpetually unhappy unless he's being held. Sometimes even if he's being held, he still wants to cry. So neither my wife nor me have gotten any sleep. And on top of that, uh, my wife is feeling all sorts. She's she's a little sick this week, too. I'll spare you the details. But um, she's exhausted. And I'm hoping that we can get out of here early, be done with this meeting early, and uh, we can both get some – all three of us can get some rest today. We'll see what happens. Well, okay, let's uh, offer some suggestions. Many of you, like myself, have been parents. You know what it's like when a brand-new baby comes into the world, or even as a grandparent, because oftentimes the parents pawn uh, their brand-new babies off to you because they figure, oh, Ajita. No, no, the baby has Ajita. The baby has stress. What remedies – could we possibly recommend to Rachel and Frank to ease the pain of young Carmine, who will not go to sleep at night, who is nocturnal, and just cries, 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 cries like he has a bellyache? I have uh, my own series of remedies that I think will work for Frank Morano because it certainly worked for me. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I think the child has stress. The t- child has agita. Because of the formula. First and foremost, if any of you have ever seen that, you're feeding formula to the kids. It's not uh, 1% milk. It's not lactate. It's not whole milk. You know, they have this uh, formula now, Similac or whatever it is, right? You pay an arm and a leg for it, and the kids will all of a sudden almost uh, develop an allergy to it. I want to recommend this to all of you, especially if your parents or your grandparents Pet milk. Pet milk. Have any of you seen pet milk in the grocery stores or the bodegas or the delis or any other uh, retail or wholesale establishment that sells evaporated milk? You know, it used to be Carnation was number one, second to none. You know, the Carnation cans. No, this is pet milk, evaporated pet milk. I think it's got a shelf life of a year. And uh, they they recommend that you not use pet milk as baby formula. I couldn't disagree more with them. Because when I was a child, uh, and I was um, being raised in uh, south side of Chicago by my father and mother, Francesca and Chester, Chester, I had had a cold. It was like 40 degrees below zero. Again, this is the strong, gusty winds coming off Lake Michigan, cut you in half, I mean, really cold, felt like 40 degrees below zero. This is before global warming, climate change. You could walk across Lake Michigan. It was frozen solid because it's fresh water. And I remember my my mother had a heart attack because my father said he was going to take me to a chiropractor. This is 1954, Dr. Schluter. And Dr. Schluter would give me an adjustment, and that would make the cold go away. She thought that was like a form of witchcraft, voodoo. Uh, Chiropractic care at that point was vilified by the American Medical Association, just like the American Medical Association now is taking on the CDC and talking about it's like voodoo medical advice that the CDC is giving out about this new variant of coronavirus. They're at war with the CDC, the the American Medical Association, but they were at war with chiropractors, especially in 54 when I was born. But what Dr. Schluter did after he gave me my adjustment, it's like three months old. 
and I, I recovered from the cold, is he told my mother, Francesca, you got to give this child pet milk, you know, pet evaporated milk in the can, and that it would do a lot for him. And it did. It changed my whole disposition. It changed my elimination cycles. I was in so much better shape. And in fact, for many of our amigos south of the border who are listening right now, whether they're from Mexico, they're from El Salvador, they're from Guatemala or Honduras, uh, there is a certain drink that is made with pet milk, especially in Mexico, that is like a conic elixir. They can't get enough of it. Now, I know when I've been in Mexico, because I have guardian angels in Guadalajara, I got them in Mexico City, uh, you can get pet milk in the old cans. I've yet to be able to find those old-style pet milk cans. Has anybody out there seen any pet milk cans? Has anybody still use pet uh, milk, uh, evaporated milk, except it came in a can in liquid form? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. See that? Nobody. Nobody. The deeper we get into the other side of midnight, the less and less competent are some of our callers because they're leftovers from Frank Morano uh, during the other side of Midnight Monday through Fridays. Uh, uh, topped off with that guy who, uh, what was that, uh, prize, fill, dip, uh, slip, uh, whatever your name is. Uh, what, the million-dollar prize at 4 o'clock that he offers here? It's getting bigger and bigger every time you talk about it. It's a 1000 $1,000. If you can get, like, 10 answers in, like, one minute. Uh, again, I had the, the closest guy who called me when I was substituting for Frank when uh, he was uh, doing a Boudicier, 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 gold breaking, you know, trying to milk uh, the paternity leave uh, train. He was doing it very successfully until uh, Greg Machine Gun Kelly had a second daughter that his wife brought into the family. And he was gone one day on a Friday and he was back on Monday broadcasting. He had shamed Frank Morado to come back. But I will tell you this. God. There's this great Mexican milk beverage with uh, pet milk. It has sugar in it, very, very intense sugar. You get, you get catatonic. If you're a diabetic, you'll have diabetic shock. Vanilla, cinnamon, you can find it all over Mexico. You can't find it anywhere but in Mexican-American communities in America. How do they get pet milk? And everybody else does not have pet milk in the grocery aisles, in the bodega aisles, in the deli aisles, in the retail or wholesale aisles. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then the fear, fright, hysteria, and hype. You should have heard between Frank Morano yesterday leading into Sid Rosenberg, it's going to be a snow bomb. A snow bomb is going to hit the whole Northeast. Everyone is going to be, like, paralyzed. You won't be able to move. You better just hunker down, pull over to the roadside. It's sort of like I-95 was a few days before in Virginia where you would be stuck there in perpetuity. And I want to ask all of you, when the first snowflakes of this year came down, did you use kosher salt on your sidewalk? Your driveway. Well, I think if you're Jews, you probably did Red Cross for Gentiles because it has the, the cross on it, the sign of the cross. So that's why you would use Red Cross. And then what do they use in Wisconsin? Do, does anybody know what they use in Wisconsin that preserves the asphalt, the road, so that it doesn't crack? You don't end up getting all kinds of divots in the asphalt. You don't get all kinds of uh, well problems that are going to require a repaving at some point. Because you got potholes. Because you see, the, the, the water 
gets underneath the asphalt, causes it to crack, and then all of a sudden you have potholes galore. And then all of a sudden you got to bring in an entire crew. They got to scrape it. They leave it a few days. Cars go over it. The undercarriage gets banged out. Uh, all of a sudden the ball joints need to be replaced. Uh, the balancing has to be redone. Oh, it's a, a, a total disaster. But it eventually requires repaving. What did they do in Wisconsin? To prevent any of those kind of problems in the winter. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It will surprise you because we're always thinking that, oh, oh, you know, we're number one, second to none. Bruce, can we go to 16 here? Because uh, one of Frank Morano's callers uh, was giving him advice about uh, snow and the removal of snow. Uh, oh, we're locked in here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, this chronificator is locked up. Oh, my God. Here we go again from last week. The spectometer is locked up. Where's Dan? Is he at Bada Bing? You know, the uh, jiggle joint there next to our tower in Lodi, New Jersey. It's like the second weekend in a row. I can't believe this. We're all locked up. And to the non-cognoscente who uh, didn't grow up reading popular mechanics is a problem. Because our AM signal, which is the most powerful, is 50,000 powerful watts of sound that can be heard in 38 states, parts of Canada, and even parts of Europe, and can be heard going way down to Davy Jones's locker between the Bahamas and Bermuda in what they call the Bermuda Triangle. Many a sailor on their way down before drowning actually stated that they were listening to Frank Morano on the other side of overnight. That's how powerful... This signal is on the AM side. But our sister station, WLIR, out there in Long Island, actually throws its signal in the direction of our tower in Lodi, New Jersey, which is the FM signal. And I must tell you, uh, it's not up to par with the AM signal. And it's received by our spectrometer. And then it has to be a blend. It's almost like a blend in with the AM signal so that we can actually take your calls and you can hear it not in reverb, but in, in, in almost within seconds of when I'm talking, you hear me within seconds of when a phone call comes in at 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. You hear it also. Uh, in the meantime, uh, as our crack engineering squad is working on the dischronificator and the spectrometer, let's go to the phones. It's Henry calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Henry. Uh, I was just wondering, is this Pet Milk, is Pet a brand name or is it for cats and dogs? Because I don't think cats and dogs uh, eat uh, or drink sweet milk. Henry. Uh, If you don't mind me asking, uh, how old are you, Henry? 72. 72. Okay, so you're up there in my stratosphere. I'm 67. Uh, Where did you grow up, Henry? In uh, the suburbs in Westchester. Okay, so you had to have been exposed to the cans of carnation evaporated milk. Okay. Absolutely. And next to them, if you went to the supermarket or the grocery store... Uh, you would see the competitor, normally pr- priced lower than Carnation, which was pet milk. Oh, okay. Wow, you you never saw the can of pet milk next to the can of Carnation milk. They were both evaporated milk. Right. Wow, this is so interesting. Henry, you had so the... You're p- saying pet is a brand name. Yeah, brand name. And I feel for you because 
as a youngster, you were deprived of the choice. You had only one choice in your neighborhood in Westchester, which was carnation evaporated milk. It was they in like, a red and white can, I think, yeah, right? Yeah, and they had a monopoly. My God. You know how bad these monopolies are. God. But you want to know something? It yeah. does ring a bell. Hmm. What kind of a bell does it ring? Is it like the bells that uh, will ring once an hour in a nearby church, uh, you know, where the bells ring, and it's sort of like a way of telling you what time it is? No, brings back some memory, but I can't uh, picture the can. Well, you see... They were uh, half-size cans, yes, right? Yes, the same size as the carnation evaporated milk, same size. Uh, naturally, carnation uh, was the more popular brand, uh, it was like uh, Carnation was Hertz to Avis. Uh, so pet milk was like Avis to Hertz. Uh, and right. a lot of people would buy pet milk simply because it was cheaper than the Carnation evaporated milk. Makes sense. Wow. You see this? I I feel like I've done a public service for you, Henry. You know, we're getting up in years. We're not going to be here forever. Well, let, let me ask you this. Yes. Uh, Carnation had a picture of a carnation, a flower. Yes. What did Pet have? Uh, I think a bull or a cow. I'm not quite sure. Okay. Uh, If people out there know exactly what the symbol of pet milk was, if they could call up and get through the dyschronificator and the spectrometer, which are having all kinds of problems at our tower in Lodi in the shadow of Bada Bing, the strip joint, please do so at 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Henry, you must, before um, your time comes, when it's ashes to ashes, dust to dust, you got to get your hands on a little can of pet evaporated milk. You must, Henry. Well, I'll I'll try. I I would think maybe in some of those uh, New Jersey towns they might have them. Yeah, yeah, and especially the way the Mexicans drink it, where they put a little sugar in, vanilla, cinnamon, and it's like a conic elixir there. Can you do it with a little alcohol? Oh, come on. In Mexico, everything has alcohol in it. You know that, Henry. Okay, but I mean, here. Why why don't they have it at a bar? Ah, that's interesting. That would be an excellent way of sort of suggesting to people that you're on the wagon and you're in a gin mill and you're drinking pet milk, but it's all ginned up. That's a brilliant idea, Henry. Nobody would ever think that you had ginned up the, the can of pet evaporated milk. Brilliant idea, Henry. Uh, thank you. And I, I don't even go into bars much. Oh, well, let me tell you something, Henry. You must have this pet milk experience in your lifetime. For everybody out there, if you're just like Henry, who now lives in Manhattan, but originally was from Westchester, and you were deprived of being able to uh, drink a can of pet evaporated milk, you must make sure you get to do that in your lifetime. 1-800-848-9222. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. I wonder if you're lonesome tonight. You know, someone said that the world's a stage and each must play a part. Fate had me playing in love with you as my sweetheart. Act one was where we met. 
I hate you. Hate you, Elvis, with a passion. You're a pedophile on a pedestal with your blue suede shoes. You were weighing like 2,000 pounds when you died uh, on the porcelain palace. And today, if you are alive, you'd be 87 years old. Well, guess what? I'm not celebrating. I'm not. I just know there are a lot of folks out there. Oh, Elvis Presley. Oh, he's God. He's the Mashiach. No, he's not. But anyway, ladies and oh, he's a Chavez boy. That, that's why we were talking about uh, Elvis uh, Presley uh, like Colin Powell. All right, enough of that. Uh, we're getting a lot of calls on pet, pet milk. Apparently, people are having an infantile experience. Uh, they remember that Dr. Spock had told their parents, especially if they were boys, that if they didn't learn the proper way of using the porcelain palace, it would in- create an incredible number of problems for the young boy when growing up. Let's see if we can get some answers here. Gary from Inwood, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Gary. Curtis, on the front of the can of the pet milk, that is a cow. Oh, it is. It is. Absolutely. Uh, you had mentioned cow or bull. Think of that for a minute. That would be a hard proposition to negotiate if it was a bull. Yeah, yeah. Well, remember uh, that last, wouldn't work out too well. Last time you were wearing your kilts, explaining to us mm-hmm. what haggis is. Uh, as I talked about it being a very difficult uh, uh, consumed product in competitive eating that in hard boiled eggs, and you were so uh, astute in being able to explain to us what haggis is. And now, once again, you rise to the occasion when it comes to pet milk. I appreciate the compliment, my friend. Now, Gary, um, are you able to find any cans of pet milk up there in Inwood in the many bodegas that line the uh, uh, community? Absolutely. I won't give you the name of the store, but it's available on the shelf. You couldn't get a piece of paper in between that and the carnation. Wow. And what is the preferred product in Inwood? Uh, do you think more cans of carnation evaporated milk sell or pet milk? What I will tell you is as being in the retail supermarket business for 38 years, when I look, I look at the volume on the shelf and I look what's down, and the pet is down as far as the volume on the shelves. You can see the decline on the pet product. Uh, And that is because of the use of the Mexican community. I mean, my God, they love pet milk. Like I said, with the cinnamon, the sugar they put in there, it has become like... uh, uh, it is a conic elixir for Mexicans. Let's go to Mark in Westchester. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mark. Yes, sir, Rock. How you doing, pal? It's your friend Mark from Westchester. Oh, good to be talking to you, Mark. Uh, do you know what the Mexican drink is called there that is uh, involved with pet milk? Yes, I do. It's called Coquito. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes, you know- I had Mexican neighbors. And they would bring it over to us on special occasions. Yes. Christmas. Yes. If and, you had a child and cinnamon and a little, and sugar was already added, and you could put dark rum in it. You could put, uh, I mean, rum is what I was used to having it with. But, yeah, Coquito is the natural drink of Mexico. We, it, it's like their eggnog, but year-round. That's right. Now, I, I am going to suggest that Frank Morano, who can't seem to resolve the bellyache that his son uh, Carmine has. He refuses to believe it's uh, a result of the young child being exposed to talk radio. Don't you think that if uh, (laughs) young Carmine at 18 pounds could have like a can of pet evaporated milk, it would make all the difference in the world in his constitution? Without question. It's been going on for 
uh, I'm 56, so since I was a kid, it's been going on uh, without question. Yes, absolutely. I would keep the liquor out of it. Yeah, yeah, of course. But remember, we had yeah, the, other, uh, of course. the other caller who wanted to know from Westchester, not far from you. He didn't even know what pet milk was. He just wanted to no, know. No, he had no idea. And I apologize for the entire county of Westchester on that one. Oh, no, no, that's fine. But he was good enough to then inquire as his memory was returning to him. He had his ginkgo tablets that, wow, could you put <laughs> liquor in the pet milk? Because he would love to go into a gin mill or bar and ask for that coquito, right? That's correct, sir. Oh, excellent, Mark, to the rescue there. Now, that reminds me, and again, um, if we can go back to uh, Frank Morano's original statement, uh, which I believe uh, was, uh, see, I got to give numbers out. I don't like doing this, but, hey, I'll do what everybody else does here because they don't really have it configured the right way. I'm going to have to smack uh, production around here. Uh, but number 18, can you play number 18? Because this this was Frank says, you know, trivia. Oh, oh, it doesn't make for good talk topics. Like that just did with Mark from Westchester, Coquito. Again, trivia questions aren't great talk topics, you know, because once we learn it, it's kind of over. But it is interesting. I would not have guessed that. No, you see, Frank, you got to understand it's layered. So we talked about the Mexican drink Coquito, which is involved with pet milk, sugar, Vanilla, cinnamon, and if you're an adult, a um, uh, alcoholic beverage, which we know Frank likes. And then there is the coquille. Hey, now, uh, Phil, Flip, Dip, uh, whatever your nickname is here, do you know what a coquille is? A coquille? No, I do not. Yeah, figures that, you schlub. And Bruce, right? Bruce is still trying to figure out uh, how to connect a discronificator with the spectrometer so that the AM signal blends with the FM signal. So we're not going to bother him. But ladies and gentlemen, what out there is a coquille? And one time I had a severe stomach ailment. Severe. I had just visited this island. And the theory was when I went to the Hunts Point Multi-Health Center, which used to be run by El Jefe, Ramon Velez, who used to be the dictator of the annual, well, I can't say that, that would give it away. What is a coquille? A coquille. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. A coquille has actually been on a flag. But it was considered a pejorative thing to put this coquille on a flag, and it was removed from all signage, removed from all symbols of the flag, because it was considered a shanda, a double disgraziata. I'm surprised that these phones are not ringing and singing with what a coquille is. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's Joyce patiently waiting uh, from the Jersey Shore and Red Bank. Your turn to be her here at WABC, Joyce. Good morning, Curtis. The first thing I would do is I would get a new pediatrician, one that specializes in allergies. Number two, my daughter, I had the same problem with my daughter. The reason Carmine's crying is because he has gas. I had to switch my daughter to this a uh, formula called Isomil, I-S-O-M-I-L, Isomil. Hmm. Number three, I hope they have a rocking chair in Carmine's bedroom. Number four, 
maybe the baby is allergic to cats. Yeah. Well, remember, they had three cats there. Uh, originally, somebody had called in Joyce and said, don't keep Carmine near the cats. The cats might, you know, come by and just swipe at it. That hasn't happened. Uh, no, but- I think I think Carmine might be allergic to the cat's hair. Yes, yes. You know, you have come up with a consortium of brilliant suggestions that Frank could never think of. And obviously... Well- by the way, by the Curtis, time he gets back to back home to Rachel, he's just a ball of confusion. So this may actually Curtis, stabilize him. Yes. Curtis, Curtis, I've been through this. I have been through this already. And number five. Oh, number five. So, oh, this is the five, Quinella. Frank, the Quinella. Frank and Rachel have to learn to relax around oh, the baby. Number six. Now that's kind of uh, Joyce. Uh, that's kind of difficult. Wait, too. wait. One, oh, one. Okay, number six oh, okay. Is the last go, go one. ahead, Nurse Ratchet. Go ahead. I want them to go to Target or any uh, record store. I want them to buy a CD. It's called Peaceful Patchabell. Relax and no cats, no cats around. Now, uh, Joyce, it was an act of sabotage uh, that was just committed against us. We were having a brilliant conversation, Joyce, uh, Nurse Ratchet, very emphatic in terms of what uh, Frank and Rachel uh, has to do. I took meticulous notes for them. But if you notice, uh, almost like uh, two-thirds of the way through their conversation, we were bogarted by the signal in Lodi. Dan probably finished getting his lap dance and his rumski and actually climbed the tower and started to do readjustments. So this may be happening from time to time. Now, remember, I've also asked a question in the interim as we're trying to help the uh, Murano household dealing with uh, the incalcitrant young Carmine, all 18 pounds of him. What is a coqui as opposed to the coquito, which was just described by Mark in Westchester as the Mexican milk beverage so loved in Mexico involving pet milk, sugar, vanilla, cinnamon, and if you happen to be an adult, an adult beverage gets added in. one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Helena in South Orange. Your turn to be heard here at WABC Helena. Hi there, Curtis. The coqui is a little animal native to Costa Rica that goes coqui, coqui. Yes, but it's also native to what specific island in the Caribbean, Helena? And I don't know. Well, no, no, you're close. You're close. Central America. Okay, I'm not as familiar with that. I have to confess to you. But there is an island in the Caribbean where this symbol was actually on the flag for a while and it caused such consternation that an entire generation threatened rebellion. Yes, threatened rebellion if the coqui was not removed. Uh, Let's go, if we can, to uh, Mike in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Mike. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? uh, The coquis are native to Puerto Rico. Yes, and what particular mammal is it? It's a, it's an amphibian. 
It's a frog. That's right, a coqui. And when I had left Puerto Rico, Levittown, do you know where Levittown is in Puerto Rico? Believe it or not, there is a Levittown. Uh, just, oh, I've never been to Puerto Rico. I know Levittown on Long Island. Yeah, and in Allentown, outside of Allentown in Pennsylvania, there are three uh, Levittowns built exactly the same way, the same specs, all prefab. It's where Bill O'Reilly grew up in Long Island before he went to Chaminade, like Alphonse Alley Boyd DeMato, the former U.S. Senator. Uh, but uh, uh, it is right outside of San Juan. Uh, that is uh, Levittown. In Puerto Rico. So I was there because I had a guardian angel chapter. I got very ill. And when I came back uh, to America, I went to a standard medical doctor. He said, I don't know what it is. Uh, There's something uh, inside of you, you know, right in that uh, uh, fallopian tube that you have in you. Uh, And immediately I went knowing that they're not going to probably know about Puerto Rico. So I went to, uh, at the time, Ramon Velez, who was El Jefe, in charge of the annual Puerto Rican Day Parade, but the unbelievably large Hunts Point multi-health complex. And they discovered that a coqui, a little frog, had uh, gained entry into my fallopian tube. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they had to go in and extract it. It was uh, a very delicate procedure because they had to go in through my esophagus. Like when you get an endoscopy, you know, to check for reflux. So they had to go in through my throat. Uh, And then they also had to go up through my posterior, like when you get a colonoscopy, uh, in order to locate the coqui, who was still moving around in there, that little varmint. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, well, you know. I'm glad glad you're doing all right, though. Yeah, but on the coqui, you see the back. It's just like a frog. Like if you went to a pond here uh, on Golden Pond, if you went to on Golden Pond, you would see the little coquis. Some of them sometimes on their backs, because in Puerto Rico, they're up in the hills with the jibaros, you know, where they live up near the rainforest. And sometimes toxins develop on their backs where they have the ridges, so it can be um, it can be permanently paralyzing to the human being if it is absorbed through the the wrong fallopian tube, Mike. Okay, I'm wow. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm very lucky to be alive from that. Well, I'm very glad you're alive. I'm very mad you lost the election. Mm, yeah, well, you know that. Look, Mike. Uh, later on, I'm going to uh, to the uh, song of Family Affair by Sly and the Family Stone, one of the all-time great groups. I'm going to explain how New Yorkers are getting screwed by Eric Adams, and they don't even know it. But I warned all of you, don't come to me. I warned you about nepotism and Eric Adams circling uh, the wagons with a corrupt crew. Oh, I'm going to get into all of that. Anyway, let's go to John in Thornwood. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, John. Hi, Curtis. Um, For Frank Morano, um, 45 years ago, we had a similar problem. We had our first child, and she would cry all the time. Hmm. The pediatrician, we called the pediatrician, said, come on in, bring the baby in, let's see what's wrong. We bring the baby in, he looks at her, examines her, and then he turns to us and said, the problem is not the baby, it's the parents. Wow. He said, the biggest thing is you don't pick the child up. He said, 
you feed them, you 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 change their diaper, you put them in the in the bassinet, and you you uh, if they cry, you let them cry. And he basically said, you let them cry, and all you do is you check to make sure they're not. Uh, you know, choking or anything like, you know, there's nothing wrong with them. You just observe, but don't pick them up. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was the best advice we ever got. Within You see, I would would think, John, uh, Frank uh, now wears a jock strap because, uh, you know, Carmine's 18 pounds. You keep lifting him up, you'll like get a double hernia. Uh, Rachel really doesn't have to worry about that, but Frank does. So he's, uh, he, he said it's very tender there. Right, uh, you know, where the thigh meets uh, the gonad. Uh, And I told him, I said, Frank, you're looking at a hernia, if not a double hernia. And and then knowing him, right, he'll declare, you know, that it's a medical emergency, that it's all part of raising Carmine, and he'll he'll milk that paternity train even more, like Boudiché, 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 Boudiché. Well, that's exactly what the, what the doctor told us was that yeah. the baby is smarter than you, that the baby looks to control you, and they know how to do it, even now, though they, they're, now, John, they're very young. Now, uh, John, uh, Carmine is just, uh, he was born on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, in, the, uh, in the 4 o'clock hour, I'm going to play a uh, responder to the uh, scam game that uh, Frank exposes his listeners to. Uh, he calls it the $1,000 Minute. Uh, where yeah. this guy was asked one simple question at the start. The Empire State Building, uh, what city is it in? He said Albany. Albany. Right. <laughs> Frank had to shut him down. And then he told Frank on the air, F you. Can, can, we, can we both agree that Carmine is probably smarter than that Gavone? <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Oh, my. No, no, my. You know, you gave such cogent advice, John. I don't think he's getting it because you see, in an Italian family, they get frantic. You know, they get a little too no, excited. I know. I know. I'm I'm Italian. Yeah, they well, get, I'm American, but I'm and yeah. my wife was born and raised in Italy. Yeah, so you know what it's like to get very frantic, to get very emotional, yeah. to get very yeah. excited. It's like well, uh, it's a combination. It's uh, similar to um, Puerto Rican families. Uh, that's a good comparison because they live their life like a novella. Italians the same too. Everything is emotional, <laughs> loud. It's yep. it's like draconian. Yeah, not yeah. like not Although, like the, not like the poles. See, my other side of me is uh, Polish. Uh, they're like stone cold. Nothing can happen. The kid could be turning blue. They say, don't worry about it. Just turn the baby over. He'll be okay, right? The Italians say, oh, my God. Uh, yeah. got to rush the kid to the ER, the ICU. Oh, my God. Oh, blessed Mother, please, <laughs> Jesus Christ, save my little Carmine, right? Am I right or wrong? You're, you're right. Yeah. Because we, we got that reaction from... Both, both our parents. Yeah. That we were doing it wrong. That wasn't right. But yeah, yeah. When, and, they, and they when, got and they were excitable, right? Very excitable. Yeah, that's the Latin blood: Italians, Puerto Ricanos, Dominicanos, Mexicans. Uh, it's like that Latin passion, that blood that can really like go over the top over anything. The kid is just, oh, yeah. you know, normally just choking up a little bit like kids do when they're being fed their formula or what I would give them, uh, which is pet milk. And then all of a sudden the parents are having a freak out. Being, oh, my God. Uh, well, uh, and, and they just they have a, a breakdown. And the kid is looking at the parents like, I thought you're supposed to be the parents. Really? <laughs> 
But, John, you gave yeah. very yeah. cogent advice. I'm going to make sure that Frank Morano gets this because he's a hot mess. He's a hot I, mess, John. Yeah. And can you imagine we too. if you're poor Rachel and you got to be in that house where he's walking up and down, pacing, you know, wearing out uh, the Kaufman carpet yeah. uh, and, and just creating misery for her. Misery. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I do appreciate that, John. Thank you for your okay. patience. Thank you for your coaching advice. And the fact that as an Italian-American, you understand that the emotions, like with the Puerto Ricanos, Dominicanos, Mexicanos, can get a little bit too over the top. Talk Radio God, this song sucks. It's not one of mine. I don't know who wants to take credit for this. Oh, wait a second, man. Coming in with this at the wrong time, family affair. Stop, 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 Bruce. It's not the best version either. Sly and the Family Stone. Oh, my God. You know, I, I, I got to do all this myself. I got to do all this myself. I leave it to these young huckleberries here. Sly and the Family Stone, what's that? Is that part of Stonehenge? Idiots. Anyway, so uh, Frank Morano and Sid Rosenberg, they're freaking out earlier this morning. I came in uh, to do a segment for Sid, and, you know, they're talking about, oh, my God, the snow. You know, there were accidents, snow bomb. Will there be school with it? It will not be school. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what it got into Frank. He decided he was going to be like Harry Harrison, the morning mayor, announcing the weather and school closings. I, li- I like playing in the snow. Uh, I like playing in the in the snow too, uh, and especially when they end up closing closing schools. Uh, there's a lot of fun. Now I hope they don't close schools for for two to four inches of snow. I mean, it's really it's just it's too much. It's too much. Uh, it's already tough enough to get kids to um, to school. It has it. Look, I'm looking at these school closings now. Brunswick School in Connecticut closed. Greenwich Public Schools in Connecticut closed. Norwalk closed. Shelton School in Connecticut closed. In New York, in Suffolk County, Amityville closed. Uh, Baldwin, remote learning o- uh, only. Bayshore in uh, Suffolk, delayed two hours. Belmore closed. What is going on with these people? Come on. You can go to school. Now, look, I'm happy you get the day off, but uh, I don't really think. That you need this, uh, I don't know, this is too much. It's too much. Uh, in Jersey, uh, Ridgewood, closed. Riverdale, closed. Rochelle Park, closed. Uh, North Plainfield, delayed. This is crazy. I still don't see Summit, New Jersey. I don't know what they're doing. We'll, we'll, we'll work on getting an update on that. Oh, my God. He's no Harry Harrison. I mean, very disturbing. The way he was uh, uttering out these school closings. I remember as a kid, WABC, you're listening to the morning mayor, the self-appointed morning mayor, I might add, Harry Harrison, who I think was living in Jersey at the time. And he'd be like flirting with your mom over the radio, you know, through the uh, through the speakers, you know, about getting the kids out the door. But he would give you a whole list 
of school closings, they would spend endless hours mentioning each and every school. And remember how you would listen so intently? The dial on your small transistor radio was fixed to WABC because you had to find out if your school was closed. There was no other way to find out. If you went to Catholic school, you were screwed in the 60s because back then they actually had nuns in the convent that was on the grounds of the Catholic school. So guess what? They were going to be in school. You better be in school. It was the public schools that would close. And in between uh, cuts of uh, the Beach Boys, Good Vibrations, or the Carpenters, Close to You, or the Monkeys, Daydream Believer, remember then all of a sudden, Harry Harrison would put him in, in more school closings. God, Frank Morano was so low budget when he did that. He's, you know, I knew Harry Harrison. He's no Harry Harrison. Our number's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then all, all of a sudden, uh, there was uh, a caller called up, 16, and he said that I don't listen to him. And he was giving advice to Frank Morano because back in the, in the morning yesterday, it was like all of a sudden he was afraid it was going to get hit with a snow bomb. Anthony is in Howard Beach. Hello, Anthony. Hi, how are you? Like a pit bull in a china shop. I give you good advice, my friend. I gave it Curtis, but he didn't take it from me. So I'll give you a good advice. Maybe you'll take it. Mm-hmm. I've invested in a snowblower. Well, I would like okay. a snowblower. I got a lot of properties. I got a lot of properties. I bought different types of snowblowers for my tenants. They have battery packs ones. There's a company make Snow Joe, two-year warranty. They have them for two ninety nine at Home Depot. They're big. Then they have the shovels also, Snow Joe, $99 with two battery packs. That's nice. You don't huh? have to strain yourself. In Howard Beach, I got a gas power. My, my tenants... Don't maintenance the gas power. So I bought them. They have these two new operated ones with but, uh, battery. They have yeah, Roby and yeah. they have uh, Craftsman, too. Well, that is nice, Anthony. Craftsman, they sold out. I appreciate the recommendations, but uh, you're much better off having a neighbor with a snowblower so that you don't have to store it. Because I know what's going to happen. As soon as I buy one of these snowblowers, I'm not going to have room to store it. And that'll be the least snow we've ever gotten. I mean, that's what's going to happen. Can you believe this? It got down to a conversation with Anthony, who was promoting a certain snowblower. Frank didn't realize he was getting used like a tool. So then Anthony, who probably owns the company, was getting a free advertisement. That should be referred to Glenn Tassinelli, who's the head of sales here at WABC. We need to get some coin for that. Frank had no idea. No idea. Snowblowers, right? With the kind of snow we come on. Really? Oh, it's a snow bomb. Oh, my God. It's going to be like I-95 was in Virginia the other day. Back to back, belly to belly, nut to butt. Anyway, let's go to Elizabeth in New York. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Liz. Hey, how are you, Curtis? God bless you. How are you tonight? Uh, Hold on a second, Elizabeth. Even though you're a femme fatale, you have to follow the rules like everyone else. It is the code of conduct for callers. Don't ask me how am I doing because I'm just going to say I've had better days, Liz. Oh, okay. All right. I didn't know that, but it's okay. I hear you. Uh, well, the reason I'm calling is two things. First of all, my husband used to be one of the uh, Red Berets of the Guardian Angels many, many, many years ago. Yes. He talks about you all the time. His Thank name you. is Gilbert. I don't know if you remember him. Thank he was very young. You were very young. 
And uh, he, you know, he feels very good about all the work you did in the streets. And he was very upset when you didn't win the uh, election. So was I. But we know it's going to happen. But anyway, the next thing I wanted to tell you is that uh, a coqui, a Puerto Rican, a coqui is transparent. You know that they're transparent, right? No. I didn't know that. Maybe that's why the doctor couldn't find it in my fallopian tube. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're transparent. And um, my daughter, when she was little, she used to pick them up and put them in. in uh, I don't know how she saw them because, you know, they were so transparent. But she had this thing with bugs, and she used to pick up. And she picked up a couple of them and showed them to me. I, I freaked out because they're transparent. You see right through them. But I think, I, I think I think I'm the only one, Elizabeth, who survived the ordeal of having swallowed a cookie, then came back here to New York. Normal medical procedures did not work, and I had to go to Hunts Point and to El Jefe Ramon Velez and its massive healthcare system in order to have the cookie, the little frog, extricated from my fallopian tubes. It was. As Ramon Velez said, a miracle. It is a miracle. We have the coquille. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Stone, Sylvester Stewart, what a great group. Any of you ever saw the documentary on Woodstock or actually were at Woodstock wallowing around like the Hazari, the pigs in the mud, upstate New York? Man, this group just blew the roof off the place. From the West Coast, Sly and the Family Stone. Then his uh, horn player was a woman. And sometimes she would be doing shotguns right through the trumpet horn into the audience that would be getting a secondary high token up on their end. In fact, uh, one of our contributing colleagues here at WABC, former Governor David Patterson, was now the uh, father-in-law, no, excuse me, the stepfather to my oldest son, Anthony, because he married Mary, who was like my... Was that first, second, third, fourth, fifth wife? I don't know, one of my wives. Uh, they're now married, and uh, he's doing a great job with Anthony, who's an intern here 
Let me tell you, so we just did another podcast, Father and Son Podcast, earlier today. You don't want to miss it. Go to WABCRadio.com to look at all the podcasts, but especially Father and Son, starring what I want, Curtis and Anthony, and what he wants is a reverse osmosis of that, Anthony and Curtis. It is episode number four. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. Give me more of that music there. Sly, Sylvester Stone. And speaking of Governor David Patterson, he actually went to the Paramount Theater, which was um, uh, the small theater for Madison Square Garden. And Sylvester Stewart, a.k.a. Sly and the Family Stone, he was getting married at the time. And they had a whole atrium in there, according to Governor David Patterson, in which it was just like ropes of marijuana, all different strains, all different buds. And I said, well, Governor David Patterson, how would you know? You can barely see your site challenge. Like Steve Wynn, the entrepreneur, the owner of all those casinos, like some others out there who are site challenged. And he goes, hey, you didn't need to see it. You could smell it everywhere. Smell it everywhere. Anyway, 1-800-848-9222. Now, 1-800-848-WABC. Now, why am I playing? Can we give me a little more of a sly in the family story? I need to get into the move, into my groove here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I warned you. I warned all of you. You refused to listen. You're making the same mistake you made with Barack Obama, the senator from Illinois. He could do no wrong. Won the Nobel Peace Prize, uh, even though he hadn't done anything to create peace. And eventually uh, gave the green light after Hillary Rodham Clinton, the secretary of state, said, We got to get Gaddafi, get Gaddafi in Libya. And bombed the hell out of Libya. And there's been and it, there's been a real insurrection going on there ever since, right? And yet he won the Nobel Peace Prize not having done anything because of all the hype. I told you with Eric Adams, my opponent in the general election, that he had an Achilles heel. Corruption. And no, I mean, no, what are you talking about, Curtis? Look, well, what, what do we say? Curtis Lever knows where all the bones are buried and who buried them. I've grown up with these guys. I've known Eric Adams for 40 years, even though he called me a clown, a fool, a buffoon, a racist. When the election was over, he gave an interview to the Daily News. Oh, I like Curtis. We've known each other for 40 years. Yeah. I know these guys, especially in Brooklyn. That's where I grew up. I warned you when he appointed his gatekeeper, his chief of staff, Frank Carone, the corrupt attorney for the crooked Kings County Democratic machine, that it was going to be city for sale. Nobody listened. Then this week, he appointed Eric Ulrich, the outgoing city councilman, representing Howard Beach, Ozone Park, the Rockaways, the Irish Riviera. I said, this guy's crooked. This guy loves to gamble. Come on. He hangs out with the boys there. They got the hook into him. No, nobody paid attention. Nobody paid attention. All right. That's on the city hall side. That's what the gatekeeper does. He says, show me the money. And many of those contributors are saying, hey, Frank Caron, I already contributed uh, to uh, Eric Adams. You're telling me uh, he's going to run for president in four years. Hey, yeah, that's the new line of fundraising. Eric Adams is going to run for president in four years. They're telling that to everybody. 
you're hearing it first from Curtis Lewa because unlike the rest of the mainstream press that's giving him uh, basically a pass, an easy pass, they're not at all reporting on what are obvious indiscretions. They're going around fundraising and saying, well, you know, because of the problems of Joe Biden, he's feeble, and Vice President Harris, she's faltering. You know, Eric Adams is going to run for president in four years. He originally told people at his fundraisers in the trendy Hamptons over the summer that he had a 10-year plan to be president. Now, obviously, he has uh, moved it up a la rapido. So beware of Frank Caron. Uh, he did a lot of the fundraising and a lot of the people who were pickpocketed uh, and uh, shook down are going to come back to him and say, hey, Frank, you know, uh, it's time. I need to get contracts. I need to get greased for all our support. Uh, you know, we put together, we were bundling uh, all kinds of donations for Eric Adams. It's now time for us to be paid. And what a guy like Frank Corona is going to say who is a product of the Thomas Jefferson Crooked Democratic Club on 92nd and Conklin in Canarsie, who was partners with Frank Sedio, who grew up on my block, 89th Street, who was the uh, boss of the Crooked Kings County Democratic Machine. He just recently left. Well, come on. They all got their beak in the trough. And you know what the analogy is? Frank Corona is going to say, hey, you know, Eric, we got to feed our people. We got to feed our people. Did I say, hey, Phil, slap, uh, hip, dip? Did I say that last week about Frank Caron, right? Did I say yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, of you, course. You weren't paying attention, don't lie. <laughs> you couldn't give Jack Diddley squat. I give Jack Diddley squat because I know these guys. I told you, when Frank Caron dies of greed, when they have a wake at Guarino's on 92nd and Flatlands, and they all come to pay their respect, all the crooks, you know, they're all lined up for miles. And then they got to close the casket. The guy's so crooked, you can't even close the casket. You need like 10 guys pushing it down. And then when you bring it to the Canarsie Cemetery and you give them a dirt bath, you got to find a black and decker power drill to drill these guys into the ground. I warned you. And then I told you about a guy named Phil Banks. And you say, well, what do you mean? The guy who's the head of the DOE sounds so good. No, no, that's his brother. We're not talking about his brother. We're talking about the cop, Phil Banks, who was the eye in the storm of an investigation involving the white shirts in the New York City Police Department who were protected by what we call white shirt immunity. It doesn't matter that they're white, black, Hispanic, Asian, male, females. When they earn the white shirt in the NYPD, they have what is called white shirt immunity. So when he came down to Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, thank God he's out of our hair. It's a good uh, thing that Eric Adams is mayor, so we don't have to deal with Bill de Blasio any longer. But, but Phil Banks was right up there at the top echelon of the NYPD. He was the choice of Charlene McRae to be the police commissioner the first four-year term that we got suckered into with de Blasio. But de Blasio wisely rejected his wife's suggestion, uh, which he often didn't, and said, I need an insurance policy to get elected mayor. If I appoint Bratton and Bratton said he'll serve as my police commissioner, people will say, oh, even if de Blasio is soft on crime, Bratton knows how to do the job. Smart move. So they did not pick Phil Banks. Meantime, unbeknownst to everybody, there was a big FBI investigation going down because 
there was whining, dining, and pocket lining going on by two of these Orthodox uh, guys. Oh, my God. They were, <laughs> they were big fundraisers for Bill de Blasio. Jonah Heitnitz and Jeremy Heikberg. And these guys took down everybody that they were with, but especially Phil Blank, Banks, because there was whining, dining, and pocket lining going on. So the FBI sent this in on Phil Banks. And they say, Phil, not for nothing, how do you have $300,000 in your, your personal account in the bank? And a uh, Phil, uh, slip, hip, uh, dip, uh, what do you think Phil Banks' answer to the FBI was, which at one time stood for forever busting Italians and forever busting Islamists and should have busted Phil Banks? What do you think Phil Banks' answer to the FBI was, how he ended up with $300,000 in his personal bank account as the number two guy in the police department? What do you think his answer was? Uh, If I had to take a blind guess here, I'd say he was a host at WABC. You're making fun of David Patterson, huh? If I had to take a blind guess. You see that? You see that? That A backhanded slap at my, uh, what do we call it? My husband-in-law. That's right. That's what he is. He's my husband-in-law, David Patterson. No, he tells the FBI, Philip Banks, I don't know. I don't know how $300,000 got into my personal account. It's not a bad answer. It's really, it's, that's a good go-to answer. It's not a bad answer. <laughs> and the next day he resigned. And I believe whenever you don't get indicted and you're not part of all the crooks who go to jail, it's because you become a CI. And that's not Coney Island. That's confidential informant. So Eric Adams has been saying, I want Phil Banks to be my deputy mayor for public safety. Now, Bloomberg never had it. Even de Blasio didn't have it. Rudy never had it. The last guy to have a deputy mayor for public safety was, man, Mr. Crime Central himself, David Dinkins, when we were averaging 2,000 killings a year and over 5,000 unsolved shootings. So uh, he had then Judge Marlin as his deputy mayor, of public safety overseeing not just the police department, but other public safety agencies within the uh, bureaucracy of the New York City governmental structure. And how did that work out? <laughs> how did that work out? So he's keep, he keeps saying he wanted Phil. He wanted Phil, but he would never have a press conference. So earlier today, I'm opening up the Daily News because, you know, I have to have hard copy, hard copy. And I see there's an op-ed piece by Phil Banks III apologizing for how he had been corrupted by Jonah Heitnich and Jeremy Reichberg, but basically saying he was a good guy, give him a chance, and he announced that he was the deputy mayor for public safety in the op-ed. Eric Adams never announced it. He never had a press conference with this guy. They're trying to hide this guy at one police plaza. I'm telling you. The, the the wagons are circling. It's incestuous. So his brother is the head of the Department of Education. I, I don't know him like I know Phil Banks. Seems like a good guy. Wants to cut all the waste at the DOE. I'm on board with that. But his girlfriend is involved, and they're all circling the wagons. So now you got Phil Banks. And then right before 5 o'clock, who did Eric Adams hire as the deputy police chief? His younger brother, who years and years ago was a sergeant in the NYPD, a sergeant years ago left, 
to run a parking garage in Virginia. A parking garage. And now he's going to be deputy police chief making $250,000 a year. Now, this is nepotism of the worst type. But you see, this is the Eric Adams I warned all the voters about. He loves to circle the wagons. He is an enigma. You still don't even know where the guy lives. You don't know a lot of other factors about his life. And the reason he can keep it that way is he keeps his close confidence within his uh, body of consigliaries. These are the people that he goes to. Everything else is window dressing. Look, I hope the guy does a good job. But it's corruption central. Starting with his chief of staff, Frank Caron from Canarsie. I know him well, Frank Sedio, the former head of the crooked Kings County Democratic Machine and all their cronies. Where it's uh, right when, when Eric Adams won the election, it would say, time to get paid, time to get paid. They had a conga line, time to get paid. It's how they operate. And now with Phil Banks, Really, he's the police commissioner. It's not the woman that they brought in, Sewell, from uh, Nassau County. I don't know her. Uh, seems nice. Grew up in the Queensbridge Projects, the largest uh, public housing project in America. It actually has two separate units. Huge. Uh, unfortunately, when they introduced her, uh, Eric Adams introduced her, there was a mural in the background, and one of the uh, pictures up there was of Asada Shakur, a.k.a. Joanne Chesimard, the cop killer, who's on the lamb behind the sugar cane curtain of Fidel and Raul Castro in Cuba. Uh, she is the number one most wanted criminal in America. And they decided to have the press conference with that as part of the backdrop, which is almost like a FU. I don't know if uh, the new police commissioner was aware of that, Sulo, but certainly Eric Adams knew and certainly members of his staff knew. But it was an FU. But nobody seems to care. But I'm going to continue to be a Paul Revere here. I'm going to continue to let you know because, as you all know, I know where all the bones are buried and who buried it. And don't get bamboozled. Don't become a victim of technology. Look, Eric Adams is going to do a better job than Bill de Blasio. Anybody could have done a better job than Bill de Blasio. I could have done a better job than Bill de Blasio. Zippy the Chimp could have done a better job than Bill de Blasio. But this is open actions of how corrupt a city this can potentially become. And the mainstream media is not at all questioning it. They're on the periphery, especially about Phil Banks. There's no doubt about it. The guy reeks of corruption. Well, what about appointing his brother, his younger brother, who had left the NYPD as a sergeant many years ago, went down to Virginia to manage a parking garage. And now he's qualified to become a deputy police chief in a city that has a crime wave. A police commissioner that was brought in from Nassau County who managed a few hundred detectives out there. I mean, maybe she's up for the job. But I know the guy who's going to be calling the shots at one police plaza is Phil Banks. And we're in for double trouble. So remember, it's uh, the four problems we have. Frank Caron, the gatekeeper as chief of staff. Eric Ulrich, Utreditor, former councilman, Republican. You want to call him that. Uh, Howard Beach, 
then obviously you have Phil Banks. Uh, he's he's double trouble, double trouble, and is indicated at every step of the way. And he's been given a pass by Eric Adams, and unfortunately, he's going to be given a pass by the mainstream media. Most of you who really don't follow these details and connect the dots. And then lastly, Eric Adams' younger brother, who's now a deputy police chief. How the hell did he earn that? That's nepotism of the worst type. So, look, I'm just telling you, my job is to warn you. I'll tell you when he does good, like standing up to the UFT, Union of Failed Teachers, and Michael Mogul and saying saying to the teachers, get your asses into work. We want our kids in school. I gave Eric Adams a high five on that. Look at Lightfoot out in Chicago, how he she has folded to the uh, the teachers' unions there so many times before that they walk all over her. So even now when she barks or even now when she makes a stand, Custis last stand, they don't listen to her because they say, hey, you know, it's like uh, uh, the little girl who uh, cried wolf. You've done it too many times, light, lightweight, light uh, foot in Chi-Town. I'll give it and I'll take it away. But let's open up the phone lines on this, because I'm sure a lot of you are completely unaware of this. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And now we got to talk about the elephant in the room. Although he's not an elephant. Uh, He's a donkey, a burro, um, an ass. You know what I'm talking about, animal form. He's a Democrat. Except he's a justice warrior. He is a member of the DSA. He is funded by George Soros to the tune of a million dollars. He was elected the Manhattan district attorney. And he has basically said, let's hug thugs. And Eric Adams uh, very weakly addressed this. And he blinked. He blinked. Alvin Bragg, he, he flexed. And said, no, 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 we're not locking up thugs, we're hugging thugs. And Eric Adams, who says, I'm Mr. Law and Order, I told Hawk Newsom of Black Lives Matter, you better not dare say you're going to burn down New York City. That was a good thing. Uh, But then when Alvin Bragg said, hey, I'm going to let the criminals run amok, uh, you could actually rob somebody with a gun as long as you don't shoot them. You're going to get a disappearance ticket, a desk appearance ticket, and you're going to face a misdemeanor charge, which is going to mean if you want to thug somebody up, Come to Manhattan. This is where all the money is. This is where you'll probably get more for your effort. And more importantly, if you do get arrested, if that ever occurs, there'll be no consequences for your actions. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. the roof somewhere out in the metropolitan area of New York City, uh, Eric Adams, uh, who likes to sample the nightlife, that's what he uh, has said, is uh, enjoying himself. I don't know if it's uh, Club Zero or other private uh, clubs where whatever happens stays there. That's the whole point of paying a lot of money to be a member of a uh, members-only private club. Used to be a place in Midtown called Bruno's, the same thing went on. But he's 
raising the roof as long as he does his job, gets there early, finishes late. He's single. He's entitled. But nothing good ever happens after 12 midnight in clubs. Any of you who've ever been in clubs, some of you haven't come out of clubs right now, many of them closing at 4, unless you're going to after-hours joints that are illegal. Been there, done that. But nothing good ever happens at a nightclub after 12 midnight. To those who have experienced what it's like to be in a nightclub, feel free to give us a call at 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. The main thing is they blackmail you. The club owners and those nefarious forces behind the club owners love to get you on film, love to photograph you, and then when they got you... In a compromising position. They got you by the short hairs. You're there. And you are going to capitulate to any of their desires. Sort of reminds me of Jimmy Walker, mayor of New York City. It seems like a uh, hundred years ago. I think it was uh, Bob Hope who played him in the movie. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, if any of you can describe to our audience what became of the dapper Jimmy Walker, ladies man, back in the age of prohibition, uh, the speakeasies, the flappers. This guy was the mayor of the city of New York. He could do no wrong in the eyes of the general public. They loved him. They loved him. The guy, uh, he had glide to his stride. He was a ladies man. But hey, what what, what ended up? Happening to uh, Mayor Jimmy Walker. Those of the cognoscenti out there who know, you might qualify to win a Curtis Lebo booby prize. Don't ask, don't tell, because I throw nickels around like manhole covers. What I'll do is I'll send you whatever little tchotchke I can find. You can't ask me uh, what it's going to be because I really don't know. I'll put it in a package. I'll hermetically seal it. I'll wrap it in scotch tape, and then I'll send it to you, COD, cash on delivery. Don't complain. Just be satisfied you got something. But if you know the answer, of what became of Mayor Jimmy Walker of New York City, give a call, 1-800-848-9222. It's a precursor for what may happen to Eric Adams if he doesn't watch his P's and Q's, especially as he parties hardy in the wee hours of the morning, going from nightclub to nightclub, using uh, Club Zero Bond as his base, 1-800-848-WABC. But shades of Mayor Jimmy Walker, slowly I turn. Step by step. Because you probably know Jimmy Walker, who was the star, the star, remember, of Good Times. That's right. Remember, he was the dynamite kid. He was the number one TV star in all of America. Jimmy Walker grew up, uh, if I remember correctly, um, in Brooklyn. Ended up moving to the Bronx, had a pretty tough lifestyle. His father beat the living daylights out of his mother really bad. Uh, Jimmy Walker ended up going to Teddy Roosevelt High School on Fordham Road. Yeah, you know, the drugstore we used to call it. And it's interesting because before he became such a star on TV, he wanted to make a career in radio and pursue radio engineering, which he did. See that, Bruce? Jimmy Walker was doing what you were doing many, many years ago for WMCA, which, like uh, WABC, family-owned and operated. In this case, Red Apple Media, the Katsimatidis family, John and Margot, 
In the case of the old WMCA, they were the number one news talk station in our region. They were owned by Peter R. Strauss and his family. And they had quite the eclectic group of talk show hosts and hostesses. They really had a great lineup. And uh, Jimmy Walker was a vendor at Yankee Stadium. He was selling peanuts, popcorn, Cracker Jack. He was the beer man for a while, but he wasn't happy. He wasn't happy. And then he got a job at WMCA, which was right over on 6th Avenue and about 56th Street. And he was the engineer for Alex Bennett. Do you want to be a bird? He was the nighttime host. He was so far to the left. He was a radical. When the Symbionese Liberation Army and Sin-Q, Commander Sin-Q, declared war on America, remember that? He was actually supporting them. And Patty Hearst, who was there. I mean, these were radicals beyond radicals. That's how radical this guy was, Alex Bennett. Ironically, when he decided to move out of his apartment on 14th Street and 6th Avenue and take up a job in San Francisco at radio station Camel, uh, do you know who uh, ended up renting his uh, apartment at the point that he vacated? Bernard Getz, the subway gunman. Yeah, because I've been up there. I know that. <laughs> but anyway, so Jimmy Walker... <laughs> He would respond, this is not the old days. You didn't have a receptionist. Uh, You didn't have uh, uh, technology, you know, cameras, all kinds of alarms. You just walked up to the door and you pounded on the door. And then Jimmy Walker, like Bruce, would go running over, open the door. And time and time again, on the Alex Bennett show, Do You Want to Be a Bird? That was his theme show. Guess who would be coming to the door? John Lennon from the Dakotas on 72nd. And Central Park West, he would listen in the afternoon at WMCA to the greatest talk radio host of all time, Bob Grant. Very conservative, very right wing. And it would drive John Lennon eclectic. He would roam the streets of the West Side. And then when Alex Bennett would come on, which I think was about 9 o'clock at night, he would show up and he'd want to come on with Alex Bennett, who would say no to John Lennon. And he would rail about what Bob Grant, the king of talk radio, was saying earlier in the day, earlier in the day. Hmm. Now, remember who his father and mother were on Good Times? Florence, the Florida, the mother, remember? And James Evans Sr., John Amos. You know, they never got along with him. They hated, they hated him, Jimmy Walker, in the worst way. That included Florida, his mother, on the show, and James Evans Sr., John Amos. Do you know Do you know uh, where John Amos was from? With all of the credits that John Amos had in acting, he probably was best known for the times that he would show up in what they call the celebrity pew at mob trials. Yeah, yeah, he's a black guy, African-American guy who I think uh, for a while lived in Teaneck, New Jersey, uh, Tewksbury Township uh, for a little bit of time. I think he lives in Colorado now. But, um, wow, what an interesting career. If you happen to know what uh, John Amos' most famous performance was as an actor with other actors, please give me a call here, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. You see, Phil, uh, slip, dip, you see how all of a sudden I segued from talking about Jimmy Walker, the former corrupt mayor of New York City, that John, excuse me, that Eric Adams may be walking in his footsteps right into Jimmy Walker, dynamite. 
Yeah, it's like I'm watching. I'm taking a radio lesson here. I, I'm learning from the best. No, number one, number one. If I have to re-rank my list, you're number one. Yeah, now. there it is. You're not getting no Taco Bell, pal. Uh, by the way, it's like being on a bad acid trip uh, when you have to work here with Curtis Sliwa, or you have to sit at home or in your car or truck or van, or you're listening to it on the stream or the app in 38 states and parts of Canada, parts of Europe, and again, between the Bahamas and Bermuda, where, believe it or not, Cousin Brucey first was a broadcaster in, yeah, the Bahamas, where Sidney Poitier was from originally, and by the way, he had a strong West Indian accent when he lived in Harlem. He washed dishes for a living and listened to an AM radio, talk radio, so he could learn to speak English. Ah, I bet you didn't know that with his passing, huh? You see, you learn things here, the nuances that you're not going to hear anyplace else. 1-800-848-WABC. Well, let's go right to the phones. So many things I covered. So much more that I have to tell you about uh, John Amos. And Good Times is Dynamite Jimmy Walker. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to David in Fort Lee, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, David. Curtis, I know Jimmy Walker. My father, back in the 50s, gave me a ukulele and taught me a song. And I've been singing it my entire life. And I'm starting to understand Jimmy Walker a little better. goes like this. He walks along Broadway. Uh, they call him Bo James. The city streets are his pal. The lights are his gal, Bo James. Ba-ba-do-ba-dee-da-do-day. Ba-do-boom. Roll down the sidewalk with big white chalk. I heard him say, Jimmy Walker, long New York. Oh, how he's smiling up Times Square. He walks along Broadway. But they call him Bo James. Folks get a smile on his face whenever they make. This guy thinks he's good. He's delusional, right? Well, I'd have love with him and called him them unkind names. Yeah, Bo, 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 James. Bo, 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 James. Yeah, Bo, James. Was it Bo Deal, Bo Diddley? Bo, 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 James. Oh, bravo. Bravo, fortissimo, bravo. Boy, are you... My father taught me that in the late 50s. I've been singing it. I'm 67, like you now. And I bet you, I bet you, David, was your father Irish? My father's Italian, but my mother's Irish. Oh, okay. My father's mother was Irish. All right, so I got this split, and that was about the former mayor, Jimmy Walker, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, not the not the TV show guy. That's right. I, I That's never right. met him, but and you know, okay. you know who you know who played him in the movie, Bob Hope. Yeah, Bob Hope. That's uh, I, I. I don't I. And I live in Fort Lee, and I ate in a restaurant with Jimmy Walker. It was his house uh, a couple of months ago. I ate in a nice time restaurant, and Jimmy Walker used to summer there in that house. Yeah, and, and by uh, the way, you know who also used to summer in Fort Lee? Uh, Eric Adams. Yeah, that's right. What a coincidence. Uh, apartment <laughs> apartment 22H. <laughs> okay, so. No, no, isn't that, wait a minute. Isn't that interesting? Think of it. Who yeah. you, who used to summer there years ago, almost 100 years ago? Yeah, Jimmy Walker. Really. All right. The former corrupt mayor of New York City, Jimmy Walker, very dapper, yeah. always wore 
uh, you know, tailored suits. Ladies, man, you know, had the nice fedora, good dancer, would hit all the speakeasies. The flappers went goo-goo-ga-ga over him. And he summoned in Fort Lee, and Eric Eric Adams lived in Fort Lee. Yeah. See this? Right on the Palisades. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, that's right. The Palisades. Right next to Palisades Park. Swings all day and after dark. Absolutely. Now, you still live in Fort Lee. If you go to Cliffside Park, uh, you read all yeah. the signs. You better understand Korean because you're going to get lost. Well, yeah, well, Palisade Park is, is total Korea. So yeah, it's, it's, total... Like, it's kimchi heaven. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got used to the, to the kimchi. It's pretty good. Well, I'll tell you what, David. Thank you for the memories. You should have really considered becoming a tenor in uh, oh. <laughs> Alice Tully uh, Music Hall. I'm sure you could have starred on the stage at Alice Tully uh, Music Hall, Lincoln Center, David, if you had, if you just had been uh, diverted. I mean, you're, I, I never heard anybody sing as well as you, David. Well, I thank you, Kurt. Uh, like, I'm a stagehand. I did work. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me ask you a question, David. Uh, singing, uh, how uh, many shots of Jameson did you have to have before you sung that song? We take about three before I get loose. Okay. All right. So three shots of Jameson. You're a man's man. You can handle yourself. You don't get Jake Leg. You don't get Rum Rouge. And then you're able to belt out that. Did you ever think of singing show tunes under a carousel with uh, Marv Albert and a Lawrence Taylor lookalike? Absolutely not. Um, I, I want, I, I, David, I want you to consider it because Marv Albert used to love the Broadway show tunes. There was this lookalike he was hanging around with at the time who looked like L.T. Lawrence Taylor, although I don't know if it had more estrogen than testosterone. And they used to love singing show tunes. I could see you under the carousel as a stagehand. You know about it. You could be singing show tunes. Yeah, we can do it. We can do a couple of show tunes on our coffee break. I got to tell you, David, that was one of the best singing renditions ever in the history of talk radio. Wow, Curtis, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. Yeah, My yeah. father would be happy to hear that. I hope well, he's listening. David, David don't, get, <laughs> don't get too happy, okay? Uh, you, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not like you're going to get a Grammy here, okay? Don't get too happy. <laughs> All right, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, David. Oh, God, that was torturous. <laughs> Notice, three shots to Jameson, and that's what we got. A stagehand. And he understood what I meant. Singing under a carousel show tunes with uh, former Nick announcer Marv Albert, who is best known for putting his uh, his uh, false teeth in the back of his gumata there in Washington, D.C., remember? Left his false teeth right in her back. And then the Lawrence Taylor lookalike who would be singing show tunes under a carousel. Yeah, I could see Frank Morano in something like that, right? Yeah, Frank Morano, hey, singing show tunes. God, I hope he wouldn't teach Carmine that. Uh, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Joe in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Joe. Hey, good morning. Uh, Before I make my main comment about the January 6th protesters, I just wanted to point you in the direction of uh, a great book. Can I I, I ask you a question, Joe? I've been a little bit out of it uh, because I've been substituting a lot here at WABC. I didn't. Yeah, sure. I didn't know that there were uh, protesters uh, to the uh, 
the epiphany, the Day of Three Kings on January 6th. There were protests up there in the Bronx uh, for Reverend Ruben Diaz, who has the annual march <laughs> for Three Kings. Uh, I mean, uh, no, no. we ain't going that way. January 6th, so we'll never. I mean, we'll be talking about that till 6 o'clock in the morning. But, hey, to me, January 6th says the epiphany. Uh, the Three Kings Day, right? I wonder if Ruben Diaz Sr., who always leads a procession up in the Bronx, I wonder if their demonstrators were trying to attack them because of their family values, huh? Maybe somebody knows. I didn't see anything about Three Kings Day. I didn't see anything, any processions. I don't know if it had to be because of COVID-19 restrictions, but can anybody out there actually tell me what happened on Three Kings Day? Normally, there are processions throughout the tri-state area and Hispanic-speaking communities. Sort of like the uh, day to honor the Lady of Guadalupe, a.k.a. Uh, the Blessed Mother Virgin. Big day for Mexicans here. Oh, they parade through the streets. I didn't see that for Three Kings Day. Maybe I was oblivious to it. Sharpen me up out there. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to John in Morrisville, Pennsylvania. Your turn to be heard, John. Curtis, when Sly and the Family Stone smoked too much hootsweed, they were known as Sly and the Family Stoned. <laughs> now, some, some baby advice for uh, Frank, Frank and Rachel Morano, courtesy of Dr. Anthony Fauci. Hold the baby very close, very tightly to simulate the baby being back in the womb and sing these three songs. John Denver, Colorado. And then McCullough, okay. Carmine, yeah, yeah, okay. On my shoulder, you look so lovely. Music Radio, WABC. Olivia Newton John. Olivia Carmine. Olivia Newton I honestly okay. love you. Yes, yes. We honestly love you. And best of all, my kindred spirit, because <sighs> just like her, I had anorexia nervosa. Oh. Oh my God! Baby, 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 oh baby, we love you. Oh yes, we do. It's a family affair. It's a family affair. John, so on it. What is this? The Ted Mack original Amateur Hour? You know, the Calypso Kid. Uh, won the contest from Boston. Uh, his name was Louis Farrakhan. He was called the Calypso Kid. And he won the contest. Ted Mack, original amateur hour. I think playing the violin and singing Calypso. You know who the other Calypso Kid was? Somebody you just love. In league with uh, Sidney Poitier Passage. I'm going to ask you a little trivia here. Who was the guy, pump it up there, Bruce, who was the actor who didn't show up for his performance called the Calypso Kid, and Sidney Poitier just happened to be there, and the casting director said, hey, the Calypso Kid did not show up. Uh, do you know his lines? He said, of course. He didn't know it. He said, of course I know it. Yeah, I can memorize it real quick. And as a result of the Calypso kid not showing up, 
for a performance. It paved the way for one of the greatest actors of all time. Sidney Poitier, who uh, died within the last 24 hours. If any of you know that, it'll entitle you to a Curtis Sliwa booby price. Don't ask, don't tell, because I'm so cheap, I throw nickels around like manhole covers. If you happen to be lucky enough to win by calling 1-800-848-9222 to tell me who the Calypso kid was that Sidney Poitier substituted for, and you know the rest of his history... Uh, you'll win the Curtis Lee Booby Prize. That's 1-800-848-9222. Can you spare me with anybody else singing here? We got uh, Half in the Bag, Jameson there in uh, Fort Lee, singing the Mayor Jimmy Walker song that nobody knows. And then uh, our friend there from Pennsylvania who seemed to be, like, auditioning for Ocasio Folk. He was really into that Olivia Newton-John, man. I thought he'd be wearing a dress, makeup, you know, nylons, and just, like, uh, really stepping out. Could have been off-Broadway. Could have been off-Broadway, you know, before you get to the Great White Way Broadway. 1-800-848-9222. Does anybody have that answer? Sidney Poitier. Remember. He's washing dishes in Harlem. He's from the Bahamas. He had a strong West Indian accent. He was listening to AM talk radio while he was washing dishes in order to learn the correct way to speak Americanized English. And then he went for a go-see for a Broadway play. The lead, a.k.a. the Calypso Kid, did not show up. The uh, floor director said, hey, do you know the lines? He lied. But he figured, I can't say no. This is my big opportunity. And he made the best of it. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Rick, who's uh, calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rick. Good morning, Curtis. This is just a a personal question. Because I've been listening to you for... I followed you since you were, did a show with your first wife. How long ago was that? Uh, that was 1991. Uh, That's right. We broke That's in right. here at WABC. We were asked to do Saturday afternoons from 1 to 3 at the time that Bush 41 invaded Saddam Hussein in the Persian <laughs> Gulf campaign. Right. So you know how long ago I've been listening. A I long time. Yes, sir. I can't remember if I've ever heard you say if you've ever tried illegal drugs or not in oh, your past. Oh, my I, God. I must have tried every illegal drug that was ever out I, there, Frank. Listen to me. I have no idea. I do remember you doing a show with uh, Kubi once where you on on Percocets. Do you remember that show? Yes, and yes. Was, uh, and I was and talking. it was the most hysterical show I'd ever heard you do, I think. Listen, I have done some of my best writing, even though it's with Crayola crayons, when I was <laughs> under the influence of Vicodin. You know who you know who did his great his best writing when he was under the influence of Vicodin? Oh. George Carlin. Oh really? Oh, I can see that. Okay. Yeah, no, it's I a stream a stream of consciousness. It's a weird choice. I gotta tell you, out of all the drugs that have existed out there, illegal drugs, I must have tried most of them at one point or another. Oh, and, I'm surprised, Curtis. I'm and, surprised. Well, no, you should. I mean, no, listen I'm, I'm to me glad. now, right? I mean, it shows like you're a regular guy, you know. Well, a regular guy, you can see I'm like whacked out of my brain. <laughs> Look at all the different directions that I go to in just one hour. We went from Jimmy Walker, the mayor 
uh, warning Eric Adams not to follow in his footsteps to Jimmy Walker, dynamite from uh, Good Times. Well, that's one of the things calling you, Curtis. A lot of times you'll call and you'll change the subjects completely by the time we get answered. And it's like, wow, he's on three uh, different things already. You know what? It's a result of uh, Rick Attention Deficit Disorder, ADD. Ah, another drug. Yeah, oh, I've, I've never had Ritalin or Adderall or all, all those drugs now that a lot of athletes will take to sharpen up their attention span. Uh, they oh, used, yeah. That used to be used exclusively for kids. Now, there are good uses for some of these drugs. Let me tell you, some I've of these. Used them. I've used them, Curtis. I've used them. Right, right. Yeah. And, it, and what I found with drugs, uh, especially the legal ones, is there's a purpose for them if you just follow the prescription. <laughs> you know, it's like they're meant to help. But if you yeah. self-medicate, that's when you create double trouble, as I've done for myself over the years. Well, well, the trouble you've gotten really has helped you out, I guess, because you've done very well. You know, since that first show, bro, you've really expanded. You know. Well, hell, Rick, in thirty years, if I didn't get better <laughs> than that first show with my wife, by the way, what number wife was she? Lisa, first, right? No, second. Uh, Corinne oh, Drayton. Oh my God! Already by the second. Oh my yeah, God! Corinne Drayton. One year it lasted. Uh, I met her in Brownsville, Brooklyn. Uh, she met uh, Jacoby. I met Myers. We had no assets, and we went our separate ways. Uh, okay, I can see that. Okay. And then, naturally, the the one, obviously, a lot of people knew, Lisa, who's now Lisa Evers at Channel 5, the local Fox affiliate. She's their top. You're kidding me. Yeah, You're she's, kidding me. she's their top street reporter. Boy, she she's excellent in the streets. I would never have thought that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and she's originally from Ridgewood, New Jersey. That's how I know about feeding the ducks at the duck pond. When I'd be <laughs> waiting for her, I had to feed the ducks at the duck pond. <laughs> I know that part. <laughs> but when it comes to drugs, Rick, I must have ingested or tried almost every conceivable drug that's been out there. Okay. All right, well, i got more respect for you now. Oh, if I was a dope fiend and addicted to them, would you have even more respect for me? No, 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 no. But you get street cred when you're like, you know, you're not. Listen, people that don't do what everyone else does in the world, they they, they try to preach to everyone else. And it's like, you've never done it. Now, when you say something, I can take it to heart because this guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And look, uh, I've had 67 years. Uh, So many times uh, I should have been into the hereafter. I've used up eight out of my nine cat lives, uh, and let's uh, hope that I can take another licking and come back ticking, Rick. Uh, you will. Listen, i got to go out and feed the feral cats right now. So. That's right. Got to feed those yeah. feral cats. That'll, yeah, that'll the community outside. That's right. That will make my wife, Nancy, feel so good. 1-800-848-9222. Remember the question that I asked out there? Oh, by the way, we never had a chance to talk about uh, John Amos, where he was from, right? And uh, what his greatest acting performance was of all time and who actually performed with him. We might have to hold that over because, um, you know, let's face it, this is the Frank Morano audience, uh, dollar short day late in some instances. But, oh, my God. Oh, the question I asked about Sidney Poitier is his – his opportunity. You know, opportunities come when you least expect it. How many times did your parents tell you that? You just better be ready to do that. 
He got a chance to sub for the Calypso kid who did not show up for the uh, musical, I think it was. Uh, let's go to uh, Angela. Let's call him from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ange. <laughs> hey, Curtis. Hey, you know, you almost sound like my first girlfriend, Angela Sika. You know what, Curtis, I called you twice. Yes. You said the same thing to me. I won a, a hat three months ago. I'm still waiting for my freaking hat. You know Where's what it is? This guy here, this uh, Phil, this flip, this dip guy. Uh, could you please, when I'm finished talking with Ange, because I'm going back memory lane, she sounds just like my first girlfriend, uh, Angela Sika. <laughs> uh, you got to get her information and send her the freaking hat. Curtis, I could pick it up. I live across the street on 49th Street. Oh. Leave it downstairs with Rocco. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that, Angela. And not a problem. But now, you know uh, my question uh, that I threw out there about the life and times of, of Sidney Poitier. Okay. Harry Belafonte. Yes. Now, let me see if I can do it. Dedeo, 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 dedeo. Remember, I said holding the Calypso stick and we're, we're gyrating under the Calypso stick? We all did it in our days. But can, imagine that. Sidney Poitier's break came when he subbed for Harry Belafonte in a musical. Belafonte, for whatever reason, didn't show up. They needed somebody who knew the lines. Uh, the floor director said, you know the lines, uh, kid. He obviously didn't, but he was smart enough to say yes, and the rest is history. Handsome man. Yep. What was, what was uh, What was uh, your, his best role that you ever uh, saw? What, what was the one you'll most uh, remember? I don't remember. Oh, I tell you, the best one that I ever had uh, watched was him and Tony Curtis in the Defiant Ones, where they're broken out of prison. You know, they're wearing the old pinstripes. You're right. That was a good one. Yeah, they're handcuffed to each other. Tony Curtis is like a raving racist. He might as well have been uh, uh, the head of the Ku Klux Klan down there. And they had to cooperate in order to escape. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh that, was, that was so good. So I want you to wait online. Wait online, Ange, who reminds me of my first girlfriend ever, Angela Sika. And hey, uh, Phil, slip, dip. A few times down in the lobby. It's so funny. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It reminds me you have have our same voice. So anyway, stay on the line, Angela. Hopefully, Phil, flip, dip, uh, will get this right. Yeah, the defiant ones. That was my favorite, no doubt about it. And then Blackboard Jungle, about the city school system where Sidney Poitier was a uh, teacher. But then there was the one in London, remember, Two Sir with Love, when he was a teacher there. But I like the Black uh, Blackboard Jungle better. Two Sir with Love with Lulu, a little too bubblegummy, you know, not the real deal. I don't know if people realize that Sidney Poitier was shot in the leg during a race riot in Harlem. And then on cold nights when he didn't have two nickels to rub together, he slept in paid toilets. That's when you used to have to pop a coin in there. And again, 
the way he was able to learn American English, because he had a strong West Indian accent coming from the Bahamas, was when he was washing dishes for a living. He was listening to talk radio on AM. He was active-minded. Uh, although I don't think they didn't have FM. Did they? Did they have FM then for freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly, and uh, free marijuana? No. No, he was great. He was great, Sidney Portier. And just think uh, the problems he had to deal with when going for all kinds of parts. Yeah, he always said, in fact, he had to take the Porgy and Best part. What's his name? Would not play Porgy, uh, who was Harry Belafonte. He said it was too demeaning. But Sidney Portier took the role because it was another another part that he desperately wanted, but he had to be Porgy first and Porgy and Best. If you happen to know what that movie uh, was, give a call, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa, Talk Radio 77, WABC. Money Rules the World, or Money, 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 Money by the OJs, which I think was a theme song for Donald Trump's Apprentice for years, because we are talking about what I intend on reporting to the FCC about, the biggest scam I've ever heard in radio or television. And the reason I'll say this is... Uh, nobody has ever won this $1,000 minute, uh, you know, scam of Frank Murano. It is devised in such a way that you have to answer 10 questions in a minute. And it's impossible to do, absolutely impossible. Now, Frank Murano, he's putting up his own cheddar, his own ducats, his own shimoles, his own shekels. And that's why he makes it such that nobody can win it. But then having substituted for him for, what was it, like uh, two months in when he was milking the paternity uh, train, like Boudicier, 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 until uh, Greg Machine Gun Kelly showed him, hey, I could come back in one day. My wife just had uh, our second daughter. He was out on Friday, back on Monday, and then Frank Morano had to be shamed to come back to the microphones. But... 
when I was substituting for the show, Matt Meany, the program director, who is humorless, will keep saying, oh, you got to do this benchmark. You got to do it the way Frank Morano does. I said, it's a scam. Nobody can get it. And here's a perfect example. Listen to the $1,000 minute of the way it was done just 24 hours ago, and it, it, it's self-explanatory. What city is the Empire State Building located in? Albany. No, Joe. And we can't play you the rest because the guy ended up uh, saying F you to Frank Morano. That was the first question. I mean, he, does he get any more simple than that? And I've listened enough times to know that over and over and over, my God, callers struggle with the first question, the second question, and they're like numb nuts, numb nut questions. I'll never forget the guy was listening uh, when I was substituting for Frank Morano as he had his bouncing 13-pound boy Carmine on his knee, um, weaning him on uh, talk radio, which was a big mistake. That's why the kid has so many adjustment problems uh, today. And the guy was very forthright. He goes, I never listen to WABC. I'm, I'm a WINS 1010 uh, wins guy. I went to the Bronx High School of Science. Uh, I went to Columbia, uh, graduated there, never listened to WABC, just having to find you on the dial. Answered nine out of the ten questions. Right now, Phil, Slapstick, uh, Dim, Dimrod, uh, whatever your nickname is, has anybody ever approached uh, what my caller got on the $1,000 minute uh, scam of Frank Morano's? Well, I was there for the illustrious nine uh, answer round of $1,000 minute, and no one's gotten even close since then. I think the closest has been like six. There's <laughs> just no way. It's rigged so that Frank will never have to pay $1,000. Well, Curtis, the thing is the questions are like absurdly easy. They're for morons. They, they Let's are, be but so, somehow someone always gets flustered super early in. Yeah, I don't know how let's it happens. Let's face it. These are Frank Morano listeners. You don't have to be Mensa. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, let's go to Frank talking about this caller not knowing where the Empire State Building is and acting all perplexed. Like, hey, these are your listeners, pal. And my my apologies to Jay on behalf of this uh, whole audience that you had to hear someone not know that the Empire State Building was New York in New York City. That might be the only thing that Curtis Lee and Jay Diamond agree on is that they can't believe that guy didn't know that the Empire State Building was in New York City. Curtis a- a- texted me at the same time. He says, "These are your listeners, Frank Gabons. How dumb can they be?" So, see, that's the problem with these poor performances on the thousand dollar minute. You guys make the rest of us look bad. Yeah, it's the great Jay Diamond. I'll never forget he did the best impressions of Mario Faccia Bruta Como, King Como the first, and Al Slim Shady Sharpton. None better. None better. That was back when I broke in, 1991, with my, what wife was it? Number two, that's right, Lisa. Lisa, at that time, angels in the morning. But anyway. Because this happens so often, and come on, Phil, you can admit it, even though you claimed earlier today when I joined Sid Rosenberg on this show, because Bernard McGurk was out, that your favorite uh, talk show was Frank and then Sid and Bernie. You were basically starching their BVDs and Fruit of the Loom. Admit it. 
it, it is horror every time you hit that 4 o'clock benchmark to have to hear another Gavon, another Jadru, another Pischer, another Schmendrick try to get at least one or two of the questions answered that are so simple that you could go outside, get a homeless guy who's half in the bag, who's on fentanyl to answer those questions correctly, right or wrong? It's it's entertaining to see what question they'll, they'll stump on. Well, let me tell you something. One of the listeners yesterday, I believe it was Joe in Orange, came up with a solution on how this contest should actually be streamlined because the way you're doing it, uh, Phil, Flip, Dip, uh, Dimrod, whatever your nickname is, and Frank Morano, it just ain't working. Joe in Orange County. Hey, Frank, this is Joe from Orange County. The other Joe from Oconcoma, forget about him. Listen, you got to make 10 questions. You got to get all wrong to win your contest. <laughs> you see that? That's the way it should be. To the winner go the Dimrods. Getting all 10 answers wrong. And then you get the $1,000 that Frank Morano. Look, he's a welcher. He's not going to give up $1,000. You know that already. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Why, why do you fall into that Venus flytrap? Why do you get bamboozled? Why are you victims of Frank Morano's technology? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. I have a remedy coming up for all of you. I think you're going to like it. Because it matches your speed. 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Max in Astoria. Your turn to be heard here, Max. Hello, Curtis. Uh, I'm enjoying your program very much. Uh, About Sidney Poitier, one of the the most beautiful movies I ever saw was The Lilies of the Field. Ah. And uh, the thing is about Sidney Poitier, he was... One of the greatest actors this country produced. And And, uh, uh, Lilies of the Field, uh, just to correct me, uh, Max, I think Lilies of the Field uh, earned him the Academy Award, right? It it did. And the the thing about that movie, I wish every child in America could see that film because it has a positivity. Right now, as as you see, the country is very divided, very upset, and we need this kind of spirit back in this country. You know, here, you know, it's funny about that movie. It's kind of like the roulette table of life. He uh, he he was just driving along, and his radiator overheated, and he ended up building a chapel, and he didn't realize that was his destiny. And the other thing is now. Now, before uh, you embellish on that, mm-hmm. when I uh, was on my second trip to Israel uh, for the second intifada, when none of the Jews showed up for their fellow Israelis, said no, it was only some Christian Nigerians uh, wearing all green and yours truly broadcasting from there. We went to the Sea of uh, Galilee uh, right. in Tbilisi. I think it's Tbilisi. Anyway, the Sea of Galilee, and you mentioned that uh, uh, Sidney Poitier in the movie Lilies in the Field, where he won the uh, Academy Award, uh, he, right. what, what did he help build there? A chapel. Right. So when you go to the Sea of Galilee, there's this uh, chapel for nuns that was built there before World War II by guess who? 
Sydney Portier? No. No, in <laughs> fact that that's gonna be another another <laughs> trivia question. Uh, any of you uh, be- guess, before you look. hold on a second, Max. Before you continue yeah. on, since this is a stream of consciousness, and if I don't make my point, I may forget it, and then all of a sudden I'll be scratching my gonads. Uh, so okay. let me give out the number one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Because you know Frank Morano says, "Oh, trivia doesn't lead to good talk radio." He couldn't be more hopelessly wrong. If you happen to have that cut uh, number eighteen, could you play that right now? And we'll go back to to Max number eighteen. Again, trivia questions aren't great talk topics, you know, because once we learn it, it's kind of over. No. It is interesting. I would not have guessed that. No, no. So uh, who is it? Yeah, yeah. So who is it? uh, (laughs) Max, we'll get back to you momentarily. Who is it that built the chapel there in the Sea of Galilee uh, before World War II, in which nuns are still there? 1-800-848-9222. Imagine they have nuns in Israel. We got none here. 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, go to your next point, Max. Well, you know, I, I'm, you stumped me on that question, but I, I got one for you, and uh, you, may, you may enjoy this. Who was in left field during the 1960s? He played for the, it was the Yankees-Pirates World Series. Mm. At Forbes Field, yeah. okay. who was who in left? Who was in left field when Bill Mazeroski hit the home run? Number number eight, Yogi Berra. You got it, baby. Now you know how I knew that because Bill right. Mazeroski was Polish. Of course, and we're both Poles. I'm right. Polish too, and I believe he hit the home run off Ralph Terry. That I that I you know forgot, but. Uh, I want to, uh, you know, just say, Curtis, you have a wonderful program. The, the other thing is about uh, John Amos. Ah, that, that, uh, see, ah, you, you, nobody out there responded to yeah. my questions about John yeah, Amos. Well, he, was, he was on the Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah. Oh. He played the weatherman, oh. and uh, he was brilliant. Right, but now he didn't live. All that far away from us, uh, I believe he lived in Teaneck for a while. He originally was from Newark. Uh, he then ended up in Tewksbury Township, New Jersey, then moved back to Colorado. Uh, he played uh, professional football for a while, first for the Denver Broncos, and then uh, he tried out with the Kansas City Chiefs back then. The coach, Hank Stram, who used to have that bad rug on his head, told him yeah. – you're not a football player, John. You're a man who's trying to play football. And that's when he realized that he had to devote all of his activities to acting. He went to East Orange High School. He was a Golden Gloves boxer. He had the full package. But what I asked everybody there is, what was his greatest performance of all time, John Amos? Well... You know, I, I don't know his whole career, but I remember him on the Mary Tyler Moore show. Oh, no, he, he did an excellent job there, but I will tell you this. Come on, I'm surprised at you. Something that Frank Morano listeners would actually know. That's why I threw it out there like progressive breadcrumbs, and you were like pigeons uh, going to eat them up in the park. What was John Amos's greatest performance of all time. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC+. Plus, I asked you, there is a chapel there. If you go to Tiberias, uh, which is where the Sea of Galilee is, 
Uh, there was a chapel built for nuns right before World War II. Who built that chapel? See, this strains your brain. And I realize it's difficult for a Frank Morano listener, right? Difficult to know who built a chapel in their own neighborhood. Never mind. In Tiberius. They're saying Tiberius. Where is Tiberius? In Israel. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to David in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, David. Hey, how you doing? Uh, uh, no, hold on a second. Hold on. I don't know. I don't know. I got to get out of here. I really do. It's just certain prerequisites I ask of all of you in doing six hours of radio on the other side of midnight when Frank Morano is uh, taking care of little baby Carmine and self-indulging is that you just don't ask me how am I doing because you know what I'm going to say to you, David? I've had better days. Kabish, Kabish, David. Kabish. Do me me a favor. From uh, now on, on when anybody says that, I'm going to call you a chooch. You know what a chooch is? Uh, no. What is that? Oh, uh, that's another trivia question I'm going to put out there. A juch. What a juch is. I think that's my middle name. My father used to always say, David Juch, get over here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you're, but, cl- you're close. Sliver, you're close. Mr. Sliver, I'm so happy to talk to you, man. I'm out here delaying the mail. I work for the post office. And, uh. Oh, man. I, I slam you guys all the time. <laughs> I know. I love it. <laughs> Hey, now, now, well, before you, you make what, your point, David, how many times have you walked into the depot for the United States Postal Service or just a local post office? You go into the yeah. back of it and you got some bundle blesses there. They're blessing the bundles as they go by on the uh, uh, on the belt. <laughs> you know, you know, that's true, Dave. I know it, brother. Yeah, okay, all right. Make, you, but we're, yeah, no, okay, I know. I'll tell you something about John Amos. I believe, because I go back a little bit, I'm 59. I, mean, I grew up watching him in the 70s. and all. Uh, I think, oh, you know, because you guys slipped on the ice with you, I totally forgot the name of the show, but, you know, maybe you can help me. It was Kunta Kunte. Uh, he was in that. Yes, Roots. He was in Roots. Absolutely. Roots. He, he was in so many performances. You forget. You forget how yeah, good yeah. an actor this guy really was. But that yeah. was not his best performance. That was a five-star top-shelf performance, uh, as was as the weather guy in the Mary, uh, Mary Tyler Moore show, uh, show with uh, Betty White, the right. cook, uh, no longer being with us uh, on that show, uh, preparing her culinary delights. And obviously, uh, on good times, as Jimmy Walker, Dynamite's father, who hated his guts in real life, hated his guts. <laughs> now, now. But, hey, let me just ask you one question. Yes, is it, yeah. is it a Broadway show or is it, is it um, you know, television or movies? It was a real-life performance in which the whole world was watching each and every day. And uh, I'll give you another hint. Uh, All of these men, well-known men, famous actors and thespians, uh, would appear each day, and it was called the Celebrity Pew. Now, I don't know how many more tidbits or information I can give you. You should be able to get that and knock that out of the box. 1-800-848-WABC. 
Uh, let's go to Ron all the way in Michigan. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Ron. Good morning, Curtis. Curtis, I wanted to tell you, wait, wait a minute. Did anybody answer the uh, trivia question to Hawk? Oh, yes. Uh, that was early on. Elaine from uh, Riverdale, who uh, claimed that she was a aficionado, like I am, of electronic dance music, uh, and she wanted to uh, get jiggy with somebody. But she answered why the hawk is talking. It's freezing out there, and a hornsman uh, like um, Louis Armstrong or whoever was playing um, uh, horns would walk into a jazz club and say, it's going to take me a few minutes to get the circulation back in my lips uh, before I could blow this horn because the hawk is talking out there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, my yeah. my father, Chester, who grew up along Lake Michigan, uh, in the south side of Chicago, 46 in Rockwell, I spent four years of my uh, life initially. Uh, he would go to the jazz clubs there. Uh, and that's what the uh, performers would say because it would feel – this is before global warming, climate change. It would feel like 40 degrees below zero. That cold wind off Lake Michigan, which you're familiar with up there, cuts you in yeah. half, cuts you in half. Yeah, but Curtis, anyway, my, my favorite movie for Sidney Portier was Buck and the Preacher Man. Anybody bring that one up? Buck and the Preacher Man. Uh, I'm trying to think, Buck and the Preacher Man. But, 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 no, I don't think they, so. They were they were runaway. It was uh, Sidney Poitier and uh, what was the other guy, man? Oh, he, he, he eludes me right now. But they were like uh, freed slaves, runaway slaves, enslaved people. And they were fleeing to uh, California. And there was a bunch of uh, former slave owners who were chasing after him because they uh, – they uh, ripped them off or something, and they rob a bank, and they uh, it turned into an Asada Shakur uh, uh, kind of episode, okay, with uh, the, uh, um, you know, the black folks fighting it out against the uh, the white supremacists and then the Native Americans trying to stay, in, stay on out uh, of it. And I, I, I remember, I'm trying to remember, because towards uh, the latter part of his movie career, I remember he... Uh, he appeared with Bill Cosby in Let's Do It Again, Uptown Saturday Night with the Calypso Kid. Finally, he was united with Belafonte and Stir Crazy with Richard yeah, Pryor Harry, and Gene Wilder. Yeah, Harry Belafonte was the other uh, guy in Buck and the Preacher Man, as a matter of fact. Yes. Yeah, that was it. Yep. And they, he had a Bible with a pistol in it. Yeah. Uh, carried a, a sawed-off, I think it was a sawed-off shotgun. But... uh but yeah, but what, 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 what was what was inter- what was interesting is that both of them had an opportunity to perform in Borg, uh, Porgy and Bess. Belafonte believed it was demeaning. Uh, uh, Sidney Poitier didn't want to do it, but the director said, "If you do Porgy and Bess, you'll get the role in the Defiant Ones with Tony Curtis, uh, which was about them as escape prisoners." So. Uh, he did it. He didn't want to be Porgy and Porgy and Bess, but as a result, he ended up with Tony Curtis in The Defiant Ones in 1958, which was one of uh, the blockbuster movies he did. Yeah. Hey, Curtis, did I ever tell you the story about, because you brought up nuns, the story of the nun, her car ran out of gas? No. I, I told you that one, didn't No, I don't think oh, so. this nun, this nun, she was going to go to town, right? And she took her little old car, and she was driving to town, and she almost made it, but she ran out of gas right in front of the gas station, 
And so she gets out, and she says to the gas station attendant, can you help me out? You know, I'm running out of gas here. And the guy says, well, look in your trunk and see if you got a gas can or something to put gas in, and I'll give it to you, and you put it in your car, and you'll see if you can go. So she looks in the trunk, and all she's got is a bedpan. So she brings the bedpan to the gas station guy, and he puts gas in it, and she's pouring it in her car. And across the street, there's a rabbi, and he's talking to this, this other guy. And he, the guy, rabbi says, if that car starts up, I'm going to Mass. <sighs> well, you know, it's cold up in Michigan. You know, there's a lot of elk and bear and deer. and Wow, that was... God, man, you know, he, he had the intonation, he had the delays. It just, there's no, didn't move us, Ron. Really didn't. You really need to go back to uh, practicing, practicing, practicing in front of the mirror, in the book house, in the bathroom, you know, while you're shaving, you're looking at, you're trying to pop some pimples, whatever you do in front of your mirror. Really got to practice your lines, Ron. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. We have yet to get the winner in being able to describe John Amos's best thespian acting performance of all time, along with other noted men of thespian experience. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pamela in Central Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Pamela. Oh, yeah, the other guy said my answer, Roots, uh, I thought. But uh, but, but I, I, tr- I wanted to call in about the cat, um, about Frank's baby. Everybody's always blaming cats. And, um, you know, I have asthma and allergies. And my allergist said it's good that I rescue and have cats because it builds your antibody. It, it can actually be good for you. You know, cats are not skulking about you know, armed, looking for your children. You know, I've heard so many people call up about that, and it's sad. It's an old wives' tale. Yeah, well, actually, it's a old wives' tale from Italy because my mother, uh, who was actually born in America, the last drop of 13, all of her siblings were born in body uh, in the little town of Andrea, which is right on the Adriatic coast. Uh, she believed that, too. In fact, she was so terrified of cats uh, that when I brought Nancy over to the house and she, you know, did the common thing, do you love Nancy? I said, yes. Well, you got to do the right thing. you got to marry her. I don't know how many times she said that to me before about other women, but she never broke stride. She always was consistent. And then she found out that Nancy was the cat woman rescuing cats, and she actually started shaking. And I said, Mom, what's wrong? She goes... I'm afraid of cats because my mother, Nicoletta, had said, stay away from the cats because they'll, they'll scratch up the babies. They'll snatch up the babies. So it was like an old wives Italian uh, tale that many of these uh, uh, immigrants brought over uh, to America, Pam. Yeah, and ancient Egypt, you know, they honored cats. And, uh, you know, so, you know, it, it's. It's a shame because, you know, there's actually, well, you know about that, about black cats. A lot of people will not have black cats because they think they're bad luck. Yes. And and there's more black cats on the streets than any other cats. So discrimination lives amongst cats. So it's not true. It's a, it's a nonsense. And cats have actually saved lives. I had somebody trying to break into my house one day, and my cat was screaming in the window. 
and he warned me. Wow, and that kind of that kind of instinct. We have out of our sixteen rescue cats in our three hundred and twenty eight square foot apartment, the uh, ground studio apartment uh, off eighty seventh and Central Park West. Uh, we have uh, Wolverine is our older cat. He he almost takes it upon himself to act like the security officer of the colony uh, and protect all the cats. Yeah, they have different roles within their clouder. There's a word for you, clouder. Wow, clouder. (laughs) Ooh, boy, that's a $5 word. That's multisyllabic. Have you heard of that one? Never heard of it. That's a a name, another name for a, a family of cats, like your Canarsie. Refuge for your feral cats, you can call them clouders. Wow. They have families, different families, colonies. I never knew that. In fact, uh, Pamela, that's why you have to be listening uh, to 12 Midnight Sunday uh, to Monday. The full hour is our pet show uh, starring my wife, Nancy Sliwa. We discuss all kinds of animal issues, not just dogs and cats, uh, but relative to animals all over the world and uh, animal welfare, animal relief. Uh, advice uh, on rescuing animals, helping animals, raising your own animals who are like friends and like family members. Uh, before we uh, pass off uh, the torch on the 50,000 powerful watts of sound on Sunday nights to Frank Morano, who then takes you for the next five days of uh, the week to the other side of midnight. Anyway, let's go to John in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, John. Hi, Curtis. I think the answer is McDonald's commercial. Ah, well, you're getting closer. This is John Amos's best performance of all time, in which he had so many roles and so many great performances. So his performance in that Mickey D commercial, you think, is what I'm referring to. Yes, he's saying you deserve a break today, so get up and get away to McDonald's. John, you couldn't be. More hopelessly wrong. Although close. No um, uh, no cigar, no the noblest cigar, no Monte Cristo cigar, no uh, Cuban cigar. Uh, no, no, none of that. Let's go to Max in Riverdale. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Max. Hi, Curtis. The church in Tiberias is the Franciscan St. Peter's Church. That's right. Now, who uh, built it there before World War II? Uh... Mm, that's mm. a difficult one. Uh, well, you look, I realize for Frank Morano listeners, all kinds of questions. I think it's the Polish troops, uh, Curtis. No, no, Maria, close. You, you got, you're on the right track. So let me just rephrase it for everybody. It's Tiberius, which is the area where the Sea of Galilee is. Uh, and it has nothing to do with what uh, Eric Adams recently said about Michael Bloomberg. Oh, Michael Bloomberg is like Jesus walking across the Sea of Galilee. I wanted a wretch when I heard that, wretch. But this has to do with a a chapel that was built for nuns there. Believe it or not, the nuns are still there. We can't find any here in America, but there there are, uh, are nuns there in that chapel right in Tiberias, right off the Sea of Galilee. Okay, sorry, I don't know. No, no, you got us halfway there, Max. You, you see, you don't have to apologize because at least we didn't ask you a question like uh, the Frank Morano uh, scam, you know, $1,000, you answered 10 questions in a minute, and the first question to his Gabon listener was, hey, the Empire State Building is in what city? 
and the schmuck, the putz, answered Albany. And then when Frank had to drop the hammer on him and tell him no, he cursed out Frank. He dropped the F-bomb on him. Well, that's, uh, th- that's his audience. You see, you, you, Max, you understand. You're courteous. You're respectful. You understand that not all answers are perfectly correct. They're not perfectly wrong. And in your case, it's the old Italian phrase, mezze, mezze, poco, poco. It's half and half. Let's go to uh, Jim, who's calling from uh, Newtown, Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jimmy. Hey, good morning, Curtis. Yeah, good morning, Jim. Uh, uh, do you know what John Amos's greatest role of all time was? Yeah, I don't think anybody mentioned he played uh, the King Day. No, no, they did mention that. Uh, in fact, in oh, Roots. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, hey, you don't have to be sorry. You, you don't have to be sorry. <laughs> at least, at least, you know where the Empire State Building is. What city, right, Jim? Yeah, it's in Albany. Yeah. Uh, that's right, it's in Albany. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe that? And these, uh, what about Foon? Right. These are the kind of people who listen to Frank Morano. Yeah, that's why he listens to you. Right. And then he curses He curses out Frank. He says, F you on the air. Well, I, can't, I don't blame him, so. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, you're so right, Jim. You're so right. Nice try. Nice try, Jim. Let's go to Sean in Elmsford. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sean. Hi, Curtis. My guess is the celebrity pew that John Amos attended was at the OJ trial. Oh, so close, Sean. I thought you had it. I thought you had it. Hey, you know, like Rosie Greer. Rosie Greer was there, the celebrity pew. Uh, We all want to know, what did OJ tell Rosie Greer, the uh, reverend? former Giant and L.A. Ram defensive lineman, uh, and also, um, I guess he also performed on the Smothers Brothers, I think. But what did O.J. tell Rosie Greer in that meeting at the uh, L.A. County Jail? A lot of people think that O.J. confessed to the crime of killing his wife and a boy toy. Uh, But you're almost there, Sean. You got the celebrity pew. You got the trial. You just got the wrong pew in the wrong place on the wrong coast. Okay, I'll better luck next time. For no, me. no, excellent try, Sean. This shows that you're active-minded. That means you're stimulated, you thought about it, you are right. He did attend some of the O.J. Simpson uh, trials along with Rosie Greer. He was in the celebrity pew there. Let's change the venue from L.A. County. Two, I'm going to even make it even more pertinent. I'll, I'll geographically give you a little GPS divining rod. Eastern District, Federal Court, downtown Brooklyn. Now, if you can't get this, you're a real Chateau. You're a real Schmendrick. Let's go to John in Manalapan on the Jersey Shore. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, John. Hey, what's up, Curtis? How are you this evening? Oh, here we go. Oh, he's a real chooch, you know, a real chooch. John, you don't ask me how am I doing because I'm just going to say I've had better days. Kabish, Kabish, John? Uh, okay. Best role, best role. Yes. Cleo McDowell. I say that again, please. Cleo McDowell. Cleo. In coming to America. Now, now, wait a second. Oh, who is that, your wife or your girlfriend who threw you a lifeline? That's my girlfriend always throws me a lifeline. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Now, 
what you have to tell your girlfriend is the both of you couldn't be more hopelessly wrong. Wow, you see, this is really close. You see, now, 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 Phil, Phil, flip, dip, dimrod, uh, phone screener for Frank Marana. You would have to acknowledge that these callers are a hell of a lot more astute than Frank Marano's callers, who can't even say where the Empire State Building is, what city, and think it's in Albany. Well, you're asking a def- definitely a more tough question, that's for sure. It, it, what you're asking is a little more thought-provoking, but, I mean, they're still getting it wrong. So could you say it's yeah, that much they, better? They, 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 they're climbing. They're, they're getting climbing, closer. They're, they're getting climbing closer. the glacier. They're well, sliding back a little bit on the glacier, but they're getting closer. This is something, let's, let's face it, if Frank Morano asked that he wouldn't even know the answer. He might, yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know uh, if Frank is too familiar with John Amos's filmography, or if you're talking about a real life event, who knows? Uh, John Amos no, no. in general. So, knowing Frank, his love of Eddie Cantor, his love of the silent movies and Rudy Valley, uh, you know, his favorite is Amos and Andy. He has no idea what John Amos is. Really, he watches the old. Uh, Black and white shows with Amos and Andy. Did you know that? Did you know I, that? Know, Fra- I know Frank's a big movie guy, so maybe yeah, maybe no, no, he, he loved the old uh, TV show Amos and Andy. He has no idea who John Amos is. That's that's too hip. That's too <laughs> happening. That's too recent for him. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Artie in Montvale. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Artie. The color purple. The color purple. Okay, obviously, uh, the star there was Oprah Winfrey, who recently, Dr. Oz, had said, please don't endorse me and my run uh, to win the uh, the, uh, U.S. Senate primary on the Republican side in Pennsylvania because I don't want to see you hurt. (laughs) Yeah, right, like Oprah's going to get hurt. Uh, No, no, it was not the color purple, Artie. We've We've now gone backwards. We were so close. It is a trial. It is a daily event of walking in, being escorted in, and then sitting in the celebrity pew, which is the first pew to observe what is happening in court. There are a number of other infamous and very famous actors who were in that queue, along with John Amos. Let's go to Beverly calling all the way from North Carolina, where so many people from New York and New Jersey are fleeing to. Oh, I think she's gone. I think she fled. <laughs> I think she decided, I don't want to talk to them in New York because everybody in North Carolina now in Florida is coming from New York and New Jersey. Let's go to Giuseppe in Long Island. Your turn to be heard. He had WABC, Giuseppe. Good evening, sir. How are you? Oh, uh, here we go. You see, now I know we're dealing with the Frank Morano audience. I must have pimp slapped like three people in this hour about don't ask how am I doing because I've had better days. But, Joe, you're a real chooch. You kabish, kabish, Joe. I, I, I kabish, and I still love you. Talk okay. About right. the John Gotti trial. Ah, excellent. Excellent. Now, you see, I have to compliment you after calling you a chooch. You are correct. This was the final trial of John Gotti Sr. in Eastern District, downtown Brooklyn Federal Court, and every day... The uh, celebrity pew would fill up the first pew, uh, so you would have Anthony Quinn, 
Anthony Quinn, Mickey Rourke, Grandpa Al Lewis, Jay Black of Jay and the Americans, the lawyer F. Lee Bailey, and John Amos there. And uh, they would basically uh, kiss members in the audience on the cheeks, you know, the uh, mob uh, sort of welcome. And people were shocked, not so much at Anthony Quinn or Mickey Rourke or Grandpa Al Lewis or Jay Black or Lee Bailey. They were shocked to see the black guy there, John Amos, swapping spit with the Supreme Cougines from uh, New Howard Beach. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, you're excellent, Joe. Excellent. Uh, this is a question that even Frank Morano uh, would not have known, Giuseppe. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. And by the way, since we're uh, on this, the guy that I thought was there every day, but I can't seem uh, to get any uh, verification of this, was Santino, you know, Sonny Corleone, James Conn. Could have swore that James Conn was there. Now, you know, James Conn sued me one time because, you know, he was like real tight with the Colombo crime family. Used to hang out with uh, Carmine the Snake Persico, you know, Stone Cold Killer, who was the defender of uh, Madoff, the biggest criminal of all time, who died in Butler in North Carolina. He was his uh, defender. Madoff was uh, Carmine the Snake Persico's uh, 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 Maytag. And then Carmine the Snake Persico died. And Matthew... uh, Matthew Mario uh, used to defend him. He grew up in the Knickerbocker houses down near the old uh, New York Post uh, uh, New New York Post headquarters along the East River. Oh yeah, Maddie. You see, you're learning a lot. You're learning. Can, can I hear that uh, comment from uh, Frank Morano, number eighteen, again here, Bruce? Uh, what a Weisenheimer. He thinks that you learn nothing from trivia. Just play that. Again, trivia questions aren't great talk topics, you know, because once we learn it, it's kind of over. But it is interesting. I would not have guessed that. (laughs) You realize how much we've talked just in terms of once we eventually settle on the answer for the trivia question. And even sometimes when people are off, it causes us to digress and go into so many directions because – Naturally, when you're a good talk show host, you suffer from uh, uh, attention deficit disorder in that you're discombobulated. You go in all different directions. It's a stream of consciousness. I wouldn't expect that of Frank Morano and some of my colleagues here at WABC because they're very anal. God forbid they move out of the box and it's a stream of consciousness. They're probably afraid of their stream of consciousness, so they box it up. You know, they're repressed. They're repressed. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Aha! The man who sued me, Santino Sonny Corleone, a.k.a. James Kahn. What does he have in common with Curtis Lewa? Aha! This is a real brain buster. The guy sued me. This is when I was at AM 970, The Answer. And guess who my producer extraordinaire was? Frank Morano. And so the lawyers, they demanded, oh, you got to pay us money uh, or you got to do an apology. 
Curtis got to read an apology uh, to his audience, which consisted of like four people then. Uh, Rick Valdez, Rich Valdez, who lived right next to the tower of AM 970, the answer. It's the only reason he could hear it. And like three sales guys who had to listen because they were trying to sell the time. Nobody else heard it. So the lawyer for Jimmy Khan says, you got to read this or we're going to sue you for belly button land. I said, look, what are you going to get from me? My cardboard uh, box that I'm going to be buried in in Potter's Field? I got no money. So they sent this, this letter over for me to read, which added more insult to injury to Jimmy Khan, a.k.a. Santino Sonny Corleone. What? Does Sonny Corleone have in common with Curtis Lewa, uh, other than anger management issues? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. What university did he go to, local, in which he met a uh, director who became very influential to him? What was his first TV appearance? That's when I first saw him. I didn't know who he was. Uh, but he made a good appearance. Uh, and where was he born? And where was he raised? Oh, that's a lot of questions. All you got to do is get one of them. It's a potpourri of different questions about James Kahn, a.k.a. Santino Sonny Corleone. But the main question is, what does he have in common with Curtis Sliwa? Ah. <sighs> Let me give a few more hints. Uh, He has it in common with Steven Tyler, you know, Coho Lips, and um, Diana Ross. Come on. What did I give? I'm giving everything away. Now I know this is the Frank Morano audience. I I might as well just answer the question. But out of respect, because I only do two shows the other side of midnight, Frank does five. Uh, I will respect the audience as much as I hate, I loathe, I despise many members of the audience. I'm going to give you more than an equal opportunity to answer what should be a softball question. This is like me throwing you a 13-inch clincher, a softball. You should be able to hit it out of City Field if you're a degenerate Met fan. Or if you're like me, a Yankee fan out of the new Yankee Stadium, the one built by uh, Aroid. And Jeter, I hate this new stadium. It's like the American Mall outside of Minneapolis as opposed to the old uh, Yankee Stadium built by Babe Ruth. That's the real stadium. By the way, who is a vendor in Yankee Stadium selling peanuts, popcorns, Cracker Jack, and eventually worked his way up to being the beer guy? Jimmy Walker, dynamite! You're learning so much. Could I hear that cut again? Uh, Frank Morano, uh, 18, please, about how you don't learn anything when uh, trivia is thrown out there. Please play that. Uh, please. Again, trivia questions aren't great talk topics, you know, because once we learn it, it's kind of over. But it is interesting. I would not have guessed that. Yeah, of course you wouldn't have guessed it. Look, your listener couldn't even guess <laughs> what city the Empire State Building was in. Oh, my God. What a moron. It's funny that he said trivia is not a good talk talk, talk topic, but yeah, it's something you've 
been talking about for the last two hours. Right. You got a lot of it. You People, got a lot of it. And you learned a lot, right? I've, I've learned a ton. Dimrod, you learned a lot, right? <laughs> I, it's, it's, it was Flip, but I guess slowly Flip, transforming. Slip Mahoney, We're Dimrod. slowly changing it to Dimrod. Right, right. It well, can only get worse at this nah, point. You remind, you remind me of a Dimrod. Let's go to Lenny calling all the way from Fort Lauderdale, which used to be the spring training complex for the Yankees in the 60s. Am I right about that, Lenny? Yes, yes, you are. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm originally from New York. Yes, yes. And uh, actually, I grew up in the same uh, neighborhood that James Conn grew up in, oh. Sunnyside. Yes, yes. Give this man a booby prize. He wound up actually marrying a girl that was in my elementary school class. Wow. A beautiful girl named Ingrid Hayek. Oh, so now... A Puerto Rican uh, German girl. I thought, I thought when I saw Santino, Sonny Corleone in the movie, The Godfather, the guy with the anger management issue... Could have swore he was uh, Italian, right? Yeah, yeah. He's not. I think he might be Jewish. Jewish. His mother was uh, Jewish. Yeah. His father was Jewish. But he's sort of like, in a way, our own Sid Rosenberg. There you go. Sid says publicly that he wished, if he could be born again, if there was reincarnation, that he would be born in a, an Italian stallion. Uh, and yeah, give up, absolutely. give up being a Jew. Uh, he, he knows what that may have to come wearing the cornu, the Italian horn, uh, and going to church. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he's ready to do that. And now, hey. Sid is going to Los Angeles in a few days. He's performing uh, in the movie about the old Gemini Lounge on Troy I Avenue. Know. Yeah, the new king of all media, and he lets us know that every day, all four hours that he's on, right? I love him. He's hilarious. He's bombastic. I think think Jamie Conn also went to Hofstra. That is correct. A flying Dutchman. Boy, that's round two you got right. And And maybe uh, worked with Lee Strasberg? No. Uh, Hyman Roth. Hyman Roth, uh, the great Hyman Roth, who... uh, Performed as Meyer Lansky, a.k.a. Sheldon Silver, in The Godfather to Marlon Brando. But uh, who was the the great director who Jimmy Kahn met when he was a flying Dutchman at Hofstra? Oh, Coppola? That's right, Francis Ford Coppola. And who was that? That the, Where's my thousand dollars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. T- t- try to get it from Frank, right? Uh, that Welcher, <laughs> that deadbeat. But I will hey, tell you, what you and Bo Dito. Oh we no, no. Harry and on the other day about. Yeah, we patched it up in Nello's the oh, other day. Did? Patched it up. Yeah, yeah, Bo, he goes off on those tirades. Uh, I just, I give him like liquid Prozac. It calms him down. So we hey, we squashed everything. We squashed in, uh, everything. New York and. Mid seventies, early eighties. Just want to thank you for uh, your guardian angels being on the trains. Yeah, now Major hold on Bill before State. before you patronize me down at Fort Lauderdale, Lenny. Who was the drop dead gorgeous, vivacious, sophic? I'll call her sophic actress who also went to Hofstra University. That was a classmate of Jimmy Kahn, the Flying Dutchman. You got me on that one. You got a hint for me? Uh, she was a pinup girl in Playboy. She uh, was. Let's go with she, uh, the blonde. Uh... No, no blonde. No, no, blonde. no blonde. Had a very Mediterranean look. Looked like she could either be from Israel, Italy, Turkey. 
Uh, no, no, but you're turning me on. Yeah, she was uh, definitely stacked, but she was softic, meaning she was a big woman. A big girl, huh? Big, big. big. actress, big actress? Yeah, actress. She was in a, a bunch of movies, uh, but when she would make an appearance, guys would say, man, she's too much to handle. Gina Lola Brigida? Nah. Nah, close. You know, she was a bit eccentric, Gina Lola Brigida. She was vivacious. Uh, she was uh, uh, she was uh, uh, not um, uh, insular. She was very, very. Uh, let's just say she would drip all over you when she saw you. <laughs> you stumping me on that. All one. right, I tell you what, because I don't want to. I don't want to fog your brain up uh, in Fort Lauderdale this morning. Lainey Kazan. <laughs> Lainey Kazan. Oh yeah, I would have never got that. She's a, yeah, she's a big time actress. Yeah, no, not yeah, she was a she was a big girl. In the world. She was she was sort of like uh, the equivalent of Mae West, a big yeah, you know. woman. You probably yeah, not, you, not too good looking. I don't yeah, think. Hey, wait a second, lady. You act like uh, you what? You a five star top shelf hey, woman? Uh, hey, you know what Tom Cruise looks like? I don't look like him. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your idea, Lenny? Uh, since you you go back to Sunnyside, you go back right, to uh, Sunnyside. Right, Jimmy Kahn. You obviously were probably with a lot of uh, uh, a lot of dolls out there. Uh, the the perfect woman uh, in your era when you grew up that you would say, "Oh, that's drop dead gorgeous." Wow, back in my day, I guess Sarah Fawcett was pretty hot. Yeah. Okay. All right. She so, was up there. Uh, not mm. not not Betty White, right? Nah, nah, nah. I like the, I like Barbara Eden. She All was right. pretty good. Barbara Eden uh, coming out of the I genie. I remember what the Dice Man used to say, remember? Uh, what was that? When you watch I Dream of Genie, if you looked hard enough, you could see Bush. Ah, that's right. That's right. And you know, <laughs> you know what uh, it means in the Midwest? Does anybody have an idea when you say I'm going for some Bush in the Midwest what it means? A totally different meaning than Mr. Fort Lauderdale gave us now, because now he's like probably self-pleasurizing himself after that. Uh, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, if you were in Milwaukee, Madison, if you were in Minneapolis, if you were um, in that vicinity of the Great Lakes, and you were going out there and you were trying to score some uh, drugs. Uh, what does the term Bush mean in the Midwest? And it has nothing to do with Bush 41, Bush 43, or the worst of all Bushes, Jeb Bush. 1-800-848-9222. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC.
Uh, I hate, I really hate, hate Billy Joel with a passion. You know why I hate Billy Joel? Can any of you imagine why I hate this guy? I hate this guy because uh, he is best friends of Jimmy Dolan, who cannot chew gum and think at the same time. He's owner and operator of the New York Knicks. In fact, um, I have um, a similar reaction to Jimmy Dolan. Owner of the Knicks, owner of the Rangers, owner of Radio City Music called the Rockettes who are not permitted to perform during this lockdown and pandemic. That's a uh, double oofa to you, Jimmy Dolan. But uh, they're like best friends. And, you know, uh, um, Billy Joe gets to perform every few months there at Madison Square Garden. And everybody shows up and they're all dressed in the same outfits as singing the same songs, lip-syncing the same music. It's sort of like Rocky Horror was. Remember every Saturday night people would show up at a movie theater, dress freaky-deaky, they'd memorize the lines. It was like a cult. And that's what it is for Billy Joel. It's a cult. Except his love of Jimmy Dolan. A real stunad. Look, I have nothing in common with Max Rose, who once again will be challenging Nicole Maliotakis for the congressional seat. He's got a tough race. I believe Maliotakis will win. But one thing he said to Jimmy Dolan is, as a lifelong Nick fan, I hate your guts, Jimmy. And you know what Jimmy did? He turned around and he gave thousands of dollars to Nicole Maliotakis' congressional run. But you see, Max Rose didn't care. When Andrew Yang was running for the mayoralty against Eric Adams, who called him a uh, snake oil salesman, a liar, a racist. Yeah, how's Andrew Yang a racist? Uh, typical of Eric. Uh, but he said, look, I'm a lifelong uh, New York Knicks fan, and I hate Jimmy Dolan. And Jimmy Dolan couldn't be more pejorative. And again, I've been a lifelong New York Knicks fan, and I hate Jimmy Dolan with a passion. Well, guess what? The curse of Curtis Liu is upon Billy Joel and his fans. Uh, they had to cancel his, uh, what, every two-month appearance at Madison Square Garden, and they've had to delay it until August. August. Good. Good. Our number's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And I asked the question before uh, we went to break. Uh, since, uh, wait a second, can we play that uh, cut again of Frank Morano, who doesn't think that trivia at all plays a role in talk radio, which just shows you how he's JV, how he's not ready for prime time, and uh, the senior uh, the senior squad? Again, trivia questions aren't great talk topics, you know, because once we learn it, it's kind of over. But it is interesting. I would not have guessed that. No, it's never over. Never over, Frank. It always adds uh, to the thought process. It stimulates the mind. It's what active-minded radio is like, talk radio, as opposed to FM, which stands for freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly, and free marijuana. You know, it's what uh, Phil, Flip, Dimrod, whatever, our phone screener who said, oh, the best shows, uh, WABC. While I'm sitting here in the studio early this morning with Sid Roseman, oh, definitely Frank Morano and definitely Sid and Bernie, no mention of me. And then his board operator, what was the name of the board operator at that time? It's Justin. Justin. So Justin gives a litany of like 20 different talk show hosts and hostesses, some of whom aren't even alive any longer. They're dead, who used to work here, and even mentions Dr. Gil Lederman, no mention of Curtis Lee. 
This is the revenge of the 20-year-olds against me here because they know that I hate them, I loathe them, I despise them. Because, uh, let's face it, they're just not the right stuff. They, they, they need seasoning. They need uh, maturation. Well, there's a $5 word for you, right? Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. I asked you what the term Bush means in the Midwest. It has nothing to do with Anheuser-Busch in St. Louis with the Clydesdale. It has nothing to do with Bush 41, Bush 43, or the real dope of all Bushes, Jeb Bush. What does it mean? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now we have to go to Frank Morano, who couldn't have annoyed me any more on his uh, last program before the start of the weekend for him, taking care of Rachel and taking care of Carmine and driving them both nuts. There's no doubt about it. He decided to denounce Crohn's disease. You know, he does these, uh, what is that, uh, Phil Flip Dimrod, denunciations, uh, declinations, uh, denouncements? You, you had on the first one, it's denunciations. What the hell is that, denouncing Crohn's disease? Can we, can we play that, please? Can we play that? Uh, I want to denounce stress. Stress. A new study, this time uh, by a very credible organization, uh, from Brian Coombs, who's the senior author of this study, finds that stress may be the culprit behind Crohn's disease. Yes, now Crohn's disease is a very serious thing. It's an autoimmune disorder that results in painful swelling of the intestines and occasional ulcers. I've known people that have had Crohn's disease. And they have a very tough time with it. It is, it is a whole lot more than just discomfiture. It's terrible. This is from researchers from McMaster University. They examined populations of E. coli in the digestive tracts of mice to investigate the source behind the intestinal inflammation. And sure enough, they think that stress, immunity, and the gut all interrelated. What does Frank Morano know about chronic Crohn's disease, right? He's reading from a report from McMaster's. Wasn't McMaster's uh, the guy who wrote the uh, the Guide to Sex? Remember in Indiana? Wasn't that McMaster who said, like, one out of every eight Americans is gay or lesbian? Wasn't that McMaster's in the cornfields of Indiana who wrote that study? What the hell is Frank Morano talking about? He didn't once mention me, did he, Dimrod? He said, oh, I know people who have uh, chronic Crohn's disease. Of course he does. I had it. I had it. I was stretched out, dying. And Frank Morano would just walk past me, you know, like, uh, you know, wherever uh, he came from, I'm sure we can get another talk show host or hostess to replace him. That's, that's how callous and indifferent as a producer he was years ago before all of a sudden he became a big shot. Uh, just like uh, 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 Bugaboo Eyes there, Billy Joel sings. A big shot. Who does he think he is? one 800 The question I asked, which should not be straining your brain. In the Midwest, uh, if you say, I'm looking for some bush, it has nothing to do with sex. You degenerates out there, like that guy who called from Fort Lauderdale. It has to do with a certain substance you're trying to purchase. 
It is unique to the Midwest. It is unique to the Great Lakes states. It is unique to uh, places like Madison and Milwaukee, Minneapolis. Let's go to Sarah, in fact, calling from the Cheesehead State itself in Wisconsin. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sarah. Hello, Curtis. I, um, I'm the woman that was a Curtis virgin until last March when I first heard about you when you were running for mayor. And I called Frank to tell him that and to describe you as, as having an amazing stream of consciousness and I see that that resonated with you because I've heard you say it since, which I love, because you do. Anyway, lived in the Midwest my whole life, and I think you're describing Bush Beer, which is the largest brand sold, at least up here. I'm 40 miles north of Green Bay, and that's what everybody buys. Is oh, that what you were Green Bay, Appleton. Uh, all yes. The- Oh, Sturgeon my. Bay, which you've probably never heard Sturgeon of. Sturgeon Bay. No, no, I've heard of that. In fact, my wife Nancy always says, when I say, oh, uh, Athena, who's our Norwegian cat that we saved uh, uh, from the, the streets, uh, she almost died. I say, oh, Athena, uh, she wants uh, caviar and sturgeon. And she says to me, well, what is sturgeon? Mm-hmm. Can you answer that? Sturgeon is a fish. Yes. And every year they have a huge, a huge contest for people that come in to catch the largest sturgeon. Huge. huge. And, and how is it served, sturgeon? Well, like you would any other fish. It just depends. You know, um, you can cook it any way you want. And, you know, in Wisconsin, people will eat any sort of fish any way. <laughs> and on Fridays, I think we discovered the the Friday fish fry. That's right. And uh, remember, since a lot of folks uh, are from the Scandinavian countries, they love their lutefisk and fisca balls. Oh, yes, absolutely true. But the fish fry definitely rules, and people usually have a bush beer with it. Now, (laughs) normally I would say to you, Sarah, you are correct, because Anheuser-Busch rules in many parts. Although, if you're a little down on your luck, uh, you want uh, old Milwaukee or old Chicago beer, right? The real cheap stuff. Well, actually, Bush is one of the least expensive, which is also why it's one of the most popular. Ah, But in this case, Mm -hmm. that's not what Bush means. Uh, Oh, okay. Because in the East Coast here, we had the degenerate from Fort Lauderdale who uh, used the term in describing a female's anatomy. Whereas in in the Midwest, that's not what the term means. Well, we use the term Bush League quite a bit. Does that count? Yeah, that's uh, Frank Morano. He's Bush League when it comes to talk radio, uh, Sarah. Let me tell you, can I just say one thing about yes, that? Yes, yeah, yes. I love Frank Morano. Okay, obviously, that's how I discovered you. But I just picture Frank Morano studying all week and reading and getting the show ready. And you walk in, bang, and have this great show. <laughs> no, no and by the way, Sarah, no preparation. It's just a stream of consciousness. <laughs> Exactly why I described you that way. Right, Incredible. he's got he, he's got five star guests, you know, people that he's been spending months trying to contact. I say, what the hell do I need a guest for? I got like I'm like Sybil. I got multiple personalities going on. You're like 
the guy that Frank is is studying all week for a test, and you walk in and ease it. <laughs> exactly. No, no, you're, Frank, you're, you're absolutely right. Frank is like he's going through all kinds of uh, <laughs> logs and old books, and he goes to the <laughs> library and he he researches on microfilm. You know, his wife is screaming, "Carmine needs you! Carmine needs you! I got to research! I got to research!" I walk in one minute before the program, a stream of consciousness. There you go. That's why I said that Excellent. amazing stream. That's why I said to him amazing stream of consciousness he has and of course i love frank and it does come through on his show because it is a wonderful show but i just at the contrast between the two is so fun and so funny and you can tell your dear friends absolutely absolutely i'm going to share that with you and i want you to continue to listen uh from up there near sturgeon bay not far from green bay home of aaron Rodgers, who refuses to get vaccinated and will probably go on to become the MVP in the NFL, uh, like so. like Djokovic uh, out in the Australian Open. They won't let him play. He refuses the Serbian to get vaccinated. All these top athletes, right? They're not getting vaccinated. I have mixed emotions about that. My feeling about that is, you know, you got to do what's right for you. I mean, that's the way it is. So, I'm a cancer survivor, so I stood in line and got vaccinated. But it, you know. I don't know. Yeah, well, we're going to be talking about that momentarily, Sarah, as it relates uh, to Bernard McGurk, uh, who, like a lot of guys, end up being diagnosed with prostate cancer, as I was, stage four prostate cancer. uh, And it's so different than what women go through. And let's say, as an example, they're diagnosed with breast cancer. We'll get to that momentarily. Sarah was like on fire. But she didn't know what the Midwest term bush means. It is not a female's anatomy in the Midwest. It is here. Not there. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Ray Ray in Raritan, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ray. Well, I believe that would be the greatest drug in the world. Marijuana, maybe, would be bush. You're absolutely 1,000% correct, Ray. I thought so, because I've heard a lot of terms for that drug, which I've been proudly using for over 40 years, which keeps me healthy every day. Now, uh, now, now in what form do you ingest your marijuana? Oh, I just smoke it in my little pipe, you know, after work, take a few hits to relax me and so I can sleep and eat and feel good, and that's it. You know, just smoke a few hits, and now, on my way. Now, years ago, uh, when you were first starting uh, to smoke marijuana, and it was like more like a ragweed, correct? Yeah, yeah, you used to get a, we used to get back in the 70s, the mid-70s, you'd get an ounce of Mexican for 15 bucks, you'd get, and the high test was Colombian, $30 an ounce. Now it's like, you know, two, three, four hundred bucks an ounce, depending on how good it is. But, yeah, it was like 15, 30 bucks an ounce back then. And and you can get uh, um, buds and uh, different grown products that will affect your thoracic, your physical or your cerebral, your mental, correct? Well, they say that. I mean, I just. I smoke, and I, I it seems like I never get sick hardly. You know, it's like it uh, just keeps me healthy, I think. 
Now, really have, you, have you ever tried the edibles uh, as opposed to smoking? You know, when I was a kid, me and uh, back in the day, me and my friend, we, we took a quarter ounce of hash and made our own brownies, and that kept us high for a few hours. We were stoned. But these people, I just tried edibles a couple of months ago for the first time around here, and uh, they don't do much for me. They relax my body a little bit, which which I need after work also helps, you know, to uh, relax the body. But the edibles, they don't do it for me. I, I, it seems to be different. So I like smoking it better. For you, Ray, the 40 years, uh, had it been a different time, a different place for you, it might have been uh, a bush beer at the end of a day, right? Yeah, I'm not a big beer drinker. I'm not a big alcohol drinker. I'll have a drink here and there. I've, you know, I've had the bush beer and everything like that. Beer's okay, but... You know, where I grew up, uh, and especially back in the 70s, drugs were more acceptable. Nobody told us not to do it back then. You know, it's not like, you know, if I, I would have never probably started doing it because it led me to other hard drugs. I went through everything, you know, the crack thing, hook to pills, heroin, and now I'm just back on the weed. But I, I would never have started the weed probably if I, if I knew what I knew now, you know, because I do believe it does bring you to harder drugs. Wow, so you you do, based on your experiences, uh, you know, the person who uh, became a sort of representative of that, he was the drug czar for President Donald Trump, was your former governor, Shamu El Jefe, Chris Christie, who would constantly yeah. say that marijuana was a gateway drug. You, as a user, you concur with that. I think when you're young, yeah, because... Then when you get, you know, say you start, like I started when I was 13, but I started doing hard drugs when I was 13 too, like LSD, PCP. I went through a lot of troubles, but so for me, it was a gateway drug. Definitely. I don't know. I can't speak for everybody else, but it, for me, it led me to everything, you know? So I don't, I have a 17 year old son now, I'm, you know, I'm 59, but he's 17, but I, he knows what I do. And I tell him everything. Don't do it. You're going to end up like me working overnight you know, in his crappy job, and he understands that. So I've told him that, you know. So, so I wouldn't... Uh, the job you work now, you feel, is reflective of the fact that so much of your life you were experimenting with different drugs. Oh, uh, definitely, because I come from a good family. I have a high IQ. My brother's a psychiatrist, and, uh, you know, I had good grades when I was young, and then when I smoked, started smoking pot, like in seventh grade when I was 13, and that just led me to, it was like, you know, I played guitar. I thought I was going to be a rock star, and it just led me to wanting to get high. That's all I wanted to do. I wasn't thinking about my future, you know, and my son, he hasn't touched anything yet, and he plays football. He's doing good in school, you know, and I would hate to see him go down the path I, I am, and I don't think he will because, uh, you know, I've told him it. For a long time, not to you know do these things, and now, he understands. Now, what was the grease on the wheel to suddenly use LSD, psycho psychotropic drugs? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, they were around. You know, when I was, I grew up outside of Washington D.C., and there were you know uh, right across the line, and there was a lot of LSD and PCP, you know, angel dust, and uh, I guess I was just I would try anything back then. You know, luckily I didn't. I didn't do any heroin or crack wasn't around when I was young. I did a little coke, you know, snorting, but the PCP and the acid, that's what led me to, you know, getting into a lot of trouble, you know, mm. when I was like, yeah, so. 
And what was your bullshit. what was your experience the first time you dropped acid? Well, the first time I went to a concert, it was no good. But the first time I really tripped, me and my friend were sitting in a car overnight because we. Uh, it's a long story, but I was seeing lasers coming out of his eyes and stuff like that, you know. And the music was just so alive and everything. And you know, it was good for a while, but then after a while, you started to you kind of get to a bad trip after a while, you know, it's good for to do a couple of times. It enlightens you some, but if you keep doing it, it seems at least for me, it brought me to bad trips, you know, where, so I stopped doing that, you know. All right. And then, uh, then you also simultaneously at that time in your life, you started to use angel dust PCP. What, yeah. was, what was that like? Well, that would bring you, I, I even did that in acid at the same time. I mean, it would just, Totally, I'd be walking around my house in a daze. You know, my I was a uh, you know thirteen, fourteen years old. My mother, she was, she didn't know what to do with me, so they tried putting me in places. Uh, there was really no rehabs back then, you know. So they put me in like psychiatric hospitals, and inside them, I was getting high, getting drugs, having sex. You know, it was a joke. It was making me worse. There was no like rehabs back then, you know. But they did try to help me when I was young. But it took me a long journey, and finally, when the day my son was born, it was uh, 2007, I just said, I got to quit this for my son, and I did it. You know, I still smoke pot. But, but now, like, before that, know. before that, after uh, dropping acid and then smoking PCP, Angel does, uh, and then all of a sudden being sent to a psychiatric facility, getting drugs in there, getting sex yeah. in there, uh, what yeah. did you next start using? Uh, well, in the 80s, crack came out. I was living in Florida, and it was, you know, pure crack. And, whoa, that brought me, you know, that made me lose everything a few times. And I did that on and off for 20 years. And it, it got my worst point was I was living in Philadelphia, and I had finally became homeless, you know, in, my, in like uh, 1999, 2000. And no, I no. was hitting the crack. I, uh, yeah, don't, don't tell I me. Homeless. Don't tell me you were hanging out in Philly in uh, Kensington and Somerset. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my exactly. God! That's... I lived there. I lived in the Badlands. I lived in Kensington for yeah. a while. Uh, people. And... Uh, people have had no access. People in Southern Jersey, they've seen the documentaries. People in Pennsylvania, Eastern Pennsylvania, they've seen it if they haven't actually driven through yeah. it underneath the Franklin uh, Avenue L. It is probably yes. the worst area of open drug dealing, drug use uh, that exists in the United States. Yeah, I've heard it's gotten worse. I saw that on TV where, I mean, they're just practically living there. When I lived there in 2000, I mean, you could go to any corner and get what you wanted. I I got robbed there. I went through the whole thing, you know, and then I I got out of Kensington. And I start, you know, I, I was a cook, so I got a job cooking and I was still smoking the crack, but I hooked up with this younger lady. I got her pregnant, and, you know, that's what straightened me out finally, having a son saying, you know, take the choice. You want to be a bum father? No. You know, I want to be a good father, and I quit. I just stopped smoking crack. I just stopped. And, you Ray, know, it wasn't like- Ray, what was the feeling when you were smoking crack? Uh, what was the feeling that made you want to continue to do it from time to time? You just want to get that blast. You know, you want that feeling. It's in your head. It's, you know, it's like a psychological thing, you know. But after that, then I got hooked on painkillers. And now I've been off those for, it's been three years now. 
And, and so which, uh, which, which painkillers were you hooked on? I was doing Percocets, you know, uh, the, you know, the Roxy's or whatever they call them. Then I actually went to New York and started scoring heroin, then went to Newark and scoring heroin. Then I said, I got to stop this. I went to rehab and now, you know, three years I'm off and I can get the pills. The guy I work with sells them right here for three years. I haven't touched any of them. Wow. So but now I do. I do I, here it is. You're, I you're, the fox zone, though. Right. But you're, you're roaming around Kensington and Somerset, ladies and yep. gentlemen, out of the, all the uh, dope places I've ever been, at the absolute worst. You're yep. walking in the streets in Newark, New York City. Uh, you had to yep. have been victimized so often because uh, it's a violent, rough world. Yeah, more in Kensington. I got robbed one time, you know, 3 in the morning because me going up to get the drugs. I did get robbed at gunpoint once and had a knife pulled on me a couple times, but I survived it. Somebody's been watching over me the whole time, you know. Otherwise, I would have been dead. But I didn't have any problems, believe it or not, in New York or Newark, you know. Wow. But that was, I only did that like maybe 10 times. That was towards the end. When I went from the Percocets, I said, I, these are too expensive. Let me try the heroin, you know. So when you so tried I, the heroin, you were injecting or sniffing? No, no, just sniffing. Yeah, I never shot up. I never. I shot up a coke a couple times back in the eighties, but that was it. But so yeah, when you when you sniff sniff the heroin, what was the feeling that you would have? Uh, you know, just I I always felt that I worked better. It would give me more energy, but it was starting to be like, no, you're not getting more energy, you know. And it was just you, you got to do more and more. And it never stops. And I had a bunch of money I had from inheritance. I was blowing all that, you know. And I said, look, you're going to have no money. So I went to the rehab. I went for a week. They cleaned me out. You know, of course, they wanted me to stay there so they could make more money. But I, I, I know I'm a strong person. Once I say I'm going to do something, I do it and I quit. I've 20 years, I'm off crack. You know, I can go get crack anything I want, anytime. But I've been off that for 20 years. I would never go back. I'm not going back to that life. You know, but I'm, I'm just a drug addict. That's the way it is. And, you know, some people need N.A., and that's good and A.A., but for me, you know, believe it, I just smoke a little pot, and it keeps me off everything, keeps me out of trouble. I know it's, it's not the best thing to do in the world, really, you know. It does kind of dull my motivations after work, but I, I'm to the point where I don't care. I'm just trying to live for my son. Everything's for my son, you know. I don't know. You needed that motivation to steer you right. Uh, the girl you met, obviously, she became pregnant. You then yeah. had to focus on being a father. So uh, there are many men yeah. and women uh, out there. They roam around every day. They're now working normal jobs. Uh, they're amongst us. Yeah. And we have no idea uh, how they had crawled into the belly of the beast and existed. We may have walked past them years before and they were unrecognizable yep. because they looked like skeletons. And now they're working a nine-to-five, and we have no idea what they've been through like you, Ray. Exactly. People, if you saw me, nobody ever believes that I was a crackhead like that because they always thought I was a cop, the dealers. They would make me – because, you know, I'm a white guy. I just – I look like a cop, and they'd always make me do a hit in front of them, you know. You a cop, you got to take a hit. <laughs> but uh, I, I just want to say one more thing. I got to go back to work. Yes. There is Suboxone to get you off the heroin, and, you know, you could stay on it for a while, but it's expensive. The, most of the doctors only take cash for it, but it is a good drug. It is a miracle drug to keep people off heroin and painkillers if they're having a problem with it, you know. 
All right. Well, I want to. It really does help. I want to thank you, Ray in Raritan, for sharing so much of your experience with us and being so open. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, I've been in every conceivable dope fiend area that's existed all over the world. I have guardian angels in 13 countries, 130 cities. Uh, Somerset and Kensington is like dawn of the dead. Zombies. Any drug, any drug. You, you see guys with fistfuls of drugs, women with fistfuls of drugs there. And they haven't done anything about Kensington and Somerset for decades. Decades. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. originally asked for one of our first callers from Riverdale who said that uh, she is a uh, EDM uh, diva but this is not really EDM so I mean no cigar there no Cohiba no Monte Crisco no De Noble cigar nice try it's got a nice beat the woofers the tweeters but it's still bubblegum it's bubblegum that's not me now, there should be a song in there I put in uh, from Selena Gomez, who normally does bubblegum. I don't know where they hit all my songs, but this happens all the time. They they list songs with, like, everybody else who does songs. And let's face it, a lot of their music is crappy. I mean, it's horrible. I, I would think I would have my own song list, my own cut list, make it so much easier than having to look through, like, 5,852 choices to find that one. But anyway, do you know what's happening at 9 a.m. today, ladies and gentlemen? 9 a.m. today. We just talked about a guy who spent maybe 40 years of his life addicted to different types of drugs. There is a new addiction that will be taking place at 9 a.m. in New York State. You can see the billboards everywhere. Huge, huge box letters on the bottom of the billboard says gambling problem, call one eight seven seven eight Hope New York or text Hope New York four six seven three six nine. It's almost as big as the ad itself for Sportsbook. So whether it's FanDuel, DraftKings, Caesars, Rush Street, they have the licenses to do gaming. Online mobile betting. And I'm telling you, there will be so many people who will be addicted because they make it so easy. Especially for a lot of uh, young whippersnappers like Phil, Flip, Dimrod, and all your friends. Right? Go ahead. Speak in the microphone, Phil. You can't wait. You no longer have to get on your uh, 
uh, Big Chief Schwinn bicycle and pedal across the George Washington Bridge from Washington Heights or inward because the only way the online mobile betting worked before was you had to be in Jersey or over the outer bridge crossing from Staten Island. Now you'll be able to lose your money online in New York State, correct? Yeah, well, I'm from Jersey. I live in Jersey right now, so I make all my bets before I come into work. I, I make them. I get into work, and I'm losing money as I'm here, but now I can lose money. I can make my picks and lose money in real time. It's amazing. Uh, let me get that straight. So all these colonies that developed uh, across the Outer Bridge Crossing from Staten Island, they would be like campers there, especially on a Sunday or a Saturday, betting the action of NCAA football or NFL football. And then because you had to be on the Jersey side all that time because – uh, it was the only online mobile gambling location, uh, unless you went to the casinos. The one in the Catskills or upstate, uh, they would have uh, uh, gambling. Uh, but you didn't have it online, mobile gambling like you do now. So starting at 9 a.m., you are going to be able to lose your money even more. You're going to end up betting five different sites. Put it online. Show others that you were betting. Big with the young guys like Dimrod, Flip, uh, Phil, and the rest of them. And the state, New York State, gets 51% on the gross revenues. That's almost unheard of. So now the state is going to be totally addicted to this. They estimate that $10 billion in sports betting, each potential state can make. And then DraftKings promised to conduct background checks. Uh, by the way... Uh, Phil, has DraftKings uh, done a background check on you to screen you to make uh, sure that they're not, you're not betting over your head? Has, has DraftKings done that? Well, they don't care about the debt. They're, they're willing to take your entire life and house away. It's just they want to make sure you're a real person with the Social Security number legally here. That's, that's all they pretty much checked with me. You know what I think we're going to do uh, tomorrow night as I uh, resume uh, the other side of midnight from uh, 12 midnight to 6 in the morning is talk about the over-under. Instead of betting who wins, you're betting on the amount of scoring. So many things that so many people are going to be learning about. And I got to tell you, oh, man, if it ain't one addiction, it's another addiction. And notice the state, they don't care as long as they get their share. And then they say, well, you know what we're doing? We're putting $6 million uh, over on the side for gambling addiction. So, Phil, uh, once you become a complete degenerate gambler like Frank Morano, who, who was, well, he was like vacillating. I don't know if I'm going to bet online. Maybe I shouldn't, couldn't, wouldn't. You know he is. He's a degenerate gambler. He can't wait to go down to Atlantic City and shoot craps and lose. And play the Chinese game, Mahjong. I mean, he's sitting at a Mahjong table with Cantonese and Mandarin. He doesn't understand what they're saying, but he loves that action. He's a degenerate gambler. Come on, I know degenerate gamblers out there. I know you can't wait. You're waiting with bated breath for 9 a.m. to hit so you can actually go online for mobile betting in New York State. Come on, admit it. 1-800-848-9222. Just like Phil, Flip, Dimrod, whatever his name is here, our phone screener. That's 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-WABC. Oh, I could just see him. 
I mean, we lost OTB. How many of you used to hang out at the off-track betting parlors throughout the five boroughs, you know, with the stale smoke, uh, the old crusty cigarettes, uh, Lucky Strike Strike Packs, the L&Ms, the Paul Malls, the Newports, the Menthols, the smell everywhere. You had your number two pencils. You had your racing form. You had your scratch sheet. And you were losing, 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 losing. But, but you loved every second of it because you were surrounded with losers. And you would sort of like one guy would win and you'd be like, hey, hey, happy days are here again just to go back and lose again. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Susan in Washington Heights. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Susan. Oh, I'm Suzanne the Man calling you back. Oh, um, Suzanne the Man. Yes, <laughs> the hunky transsexual in the mool. Now listen to this. Do you remember when I used obscenities on the air with you and you, know, you got mad at me and I called to apologize and you said you were half in the bag and I lied. I was entirely in the bag. I just wanted to get that cleared up right away. You know, in view of the previous call, I thought this was a good time to bring that up. Now, what was the drink of choice? The uh... I two skinny girl margaritas. I swear to God, so I'm not a big drinker, but that night I, I had two skinny girls. Now, what I'm would you what, what would you say, Suzanne, the man, about Frank Morano, who by twelve uh, midday has already yeah. had six dry martinis? Well, he drinks too much, and he's very insecure about his intellect. I remember I called him once on his Saturday night show. And I said, Frank Rano, I enjoy listening to you blathering on. He goes, oh, I don't blather. I prepare this show very. I was like, Oh my god! So he, uh, you know, I just said he's very insecure about his intellect. I think is what it is, and he has to constantly be proving to whoever it is that he's so intelligent. And he is intelligent, but he doesn't have to constantly be harping on that. Yeah, but you know, you know, Suzanne, the man, uh, having listened to talk radio as long as you've uh, done so. That there are many in this field who are as insecure as Frank Morano is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Present company included, I would assume. Oh, of course. Yeah, I'm more. Of course. <laughs> Me, too. Of I'm co- more of a stream of consciousness blatherer, though. So I meant it as a compliment, but he got all upset. So. No, no, wait. So, remember, no. it's his ego. His ego won't I permit him. Mess. Right. He won't permit himself to acknowledge that Suzanne the Man is right about him. Uh, and, you know, he needs, he and Sid Rosenberg, they need a crane to get him in and out of the studios. Just insecurity they're carrying, though, not ego. <laughs> the ego is like the referee of the mind. Wow. I learned this in psychology. That is so it's good. Between, ego is the referee of Id. Frank Morano and Sid Rosenberg's mind. No, no the id and the superego. They are, it, they it, are. It, and it, you remember, the one thing about talk radio hosts or hostesses is the crazier they are, the better they are. I got to get into this field. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Susan, okay. if you could uh, uh, prevent yourself from drinking those margaritas, you might have a, an actual uh, career in talk radio. Especially if you're in transition now, Susan. Just think. <laughs> no, no. Think of it right now. <laughs> Uh, because I, pretend I was right. Any man who would transition to a woman, any woman who would transition to a man would have a leg up because uh, you would have to be accepted. If not, it would be considered prejudicial against you. I 
<laughs> not really, but I can lie and say I like radio's full of liars, right? Yeah, of course. Come on, and we never, we never b- go back and apologize for whatever fib or lie or embellishment we said. In fact, you could easily say, "Look, you don't have to know about how anatomically I am developed." I identify as a man, or I identify as a woman, and we have to accept that. Yeah, I could. I felt so bad about lying to you, though. I couldn't stand it. That's why I called. I said I lied to Curtis Lee. Why? That's absurd and wrong. No, no. See, because you you have a conscience, and that's something in talk radio that none of us have. Exactly. It gnaws at me all the time. Oh, my God. It's like even when callers try to remind us, uh, refresh our memories, that what we said yesterday was incorrect, we completely ignore them like we act like we don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) It's depressing. I'm I'm terribly honest most of the time. I'm probably getting in trouble. You're being very honest, uh, and this is what we need more of in talk radio especially from the caller's point of view, because you didn't call up as a sickle fan toady on Lackey. Uh, you no. were explaining a situation that had occurred uh, in which you had a little bit too much to drink uh, and you <laughs> wanted to explain yourself and you didn't get a verbal beat down, which uh, would probably have by now Sid Rosenberg would have hung up on you. Oh, I wouldn't even called. <laughs> right. Frank Morano, he wouldn't know what to do with you because, you know, intellectually, your league's above him. You know, he would be like immediately reaching for his Encyclopedia Britannica or his Google to even know what the hell you're talking about, Susan. I, don't know. I hope he would, but I don't know. Scattered reinforcement is the reason that gambling is popular. I never had the gambling bug, thank God. But scattered reinforcement is why people gamble a lot. Because sometimes you win and sometimes you don't, you know what I mean? And they, and they, get, that, they get that rush. They get that high on yes. those few occasions that they win. And then they think, oh, my God, i got to go back in there into the pit, lose everything that I own in life just so I could get that adrenaline rush. When I might win, yeah. No, it's just, it's just, well, you know what? You know what? I'm going to send this, if you don't mind, Susan, to Frank Morano as a piece of constructive criticism. You know, he's very, oh, he's <laughs> well, you know, he's very sensitive, you know, right away. He's going, why, 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 why? This is relax, relax. Just take a chill pill, Frank. And Suzanne, <laughs> who I've, I've listened to you for many years as a caller, uh, you've been through a panoply of talk show hosts. In fact, you've known that I've had uh, almost as many radio partners as I've had ex-wives. Almost, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've heard hey, me. You've heard me with how many different partners? Let's see, your Lisa, the wife, and uh, Kubi. I love Kubi. I know you hate Kubi now, but I love Ron Kubi. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm sorry that went bad between you two. Um, I don't remember who else. Dozens of people, one after the other after the other. Yeah, they come so fast and furiously. It's like uh, you forget, right? Yes, yes. I, I remember Chief Moose, though. I, they used to be. Do you remember that with the Beltway Sniper and Chief Moose? That's right. Wow, you really go back. You right, right. Oh, yeah. The police chief uh, of uh, the county there where the shootings <laughs> took place, 
this was by, uh, remember, the older black guy who uh, basically controlled the mind of this young black guy who he hid in the trunk of his car, and they would randomly uh, go on the beltway and start shooting people. For no reason. And the dullest people God ever created once they were caught. Right, and then uh, the police commissioner there, his name was Moose. Yeah, Moose. Poor Moose. I feel bad for that guy. And I used to make fun of him every day. Yes. I'd say, oh, it's time It's time for a press conference. It's time for the Moose call. Yeah, yeah. You have to bring back, you have to bring back the crazed wing of some steed in the background, whatever you mention, a horse or anything you do with horses. I wish you would bring that sound effect back. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm uh, going to have to chastise uh, uh, Michael Mbaticic, uh, Rudy Giuliani, because uh, he was spewing some kind of nonsense uh, earlier today on his show from 3 to 4, uh, that he doesn't eat horse meat. Ukavad. And I said to myself, what are you talking about, Rudy? Uh, if not for Italians, there, nobody will be eating the brajol, the horse meat. I'm going to have to straighten him out, too. I've got to straighten out Frank Morano, and I'm definitely going to send him this clip of Suzanne, the man in Washington Heights. We're still not sure. Is she more man? Is she more woman? Anatomically, is she structured as a man or woman? Is she in transition? Uh, she is an enigma. But could be a great talk show host or hostess in her own right. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to the phones if we can. It's Patty calling from Ozone Park. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Patty. Yeah, hi. Good morning. I uh, I just want to mention from something that you said last week. We were talking about Howard Beach, and uh, you were talking about the eateries down there. Do you remember the Big Bow Wow? The Big Bow Wow, yeah, right on Cross Bay Boulevard. Oh, yeah, that was the best. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you used to go, it was like, uh, once you went across the Adabo Bridge, this is years and years yeah. ago, before it was even called the Adabo Bridge, uh, you would go to Broad Channel and they had like a, a mini amusement park. Do you remember that? Yes, yes. And that's yeah. where we would stop off on our way to Rockaway Beach, the Irish Riviera, because it wasn't as yeah. crowded, the amusement park there, like uh, Beach 98th oh, Street, yes. as I Coney remember. Island was. I remember. Yeah, they had a, like a small roller coaster. They had the bumper cars. That's right. Oh, I, I tell you, that was the best. Oh, it absolutely was. And again, not nearly as crowded as Coney Island. Coney Island was always jammed. The roller coaster in Rockaway Beach was really good. Uh, the rides, the exhibits were really good. Uh, yeah. The the ocean was so much cleaner and better uh, than oh. swimming in Coney Island. That's for sure. Yeah, I stay down in Rockaway sometimes. I have friends down in Rockaway. So which part of Ozone Park do you live in? I lived on Lefferts Boulevard. Oh, Lefferts. So way down towards uh, the last stop of the A-train there. No, well, no, I lived right off of uh, the Bell Parkway. Oh, okay, okay, because I lived on 88th and Boyd, which was right near Rockaway. Uh, and in my uh, room, I could see the A-train, the silhouette in the background, and I couldn't yeah. get enough of that A-train running back and forth, rumbling back and forth. I tell you, you know, you're afraid to go on the A-train, but my girlfriend and I went, uh, we took a ride, but we took the 8 o'clock train, and we, we ran into, uh, well, I, I retired uh, from Amtrak, and uh, we went in to see the new terminal on 34th Street. Yes. 
I tell you, it was a nice ride, you know. It wasn't too crowded. And, of course, the terminal was gorgeous. Yeah, and notice uh, in that one uh, that's uh, named after Daniel Patrick Moynihan, they claim that they can't keep the old Penn Station clean, which is an uh, aberration. It's a horror. You know, it's like uh, zombies from Dawn in the Dead, the homeless, the emotionally disturbed. And yet they don't let any of them in uh, to the Daniel Moynihan Center there. Exactly. So you say to yourself, wait a second, how is it you can keep out uh, the problem out of the Daniel Patrick Moynihan uh, Center, you know, for Amtrak and for the Long Island Railroad, and yet you can't do that throughout the rest of Penn Station? Penn Station is the most heavily secured location in the city and has the least amount of security. I know that's like an oxymoron. They have Amtrak cops, federal cops. They have MTA state cops. They have the NYPD cops. Uh, They have the state troopers there. They have the National Guard there. And yet all these crimes uh, take place. You look at anyone at them simultaneously and they say, not my job, not my job. Well, my job is... To get you to the 6 o'clock hour, which I've done again with a stream of consciousness. But then again, you don't want to miss it in just a few hours. 2 to 4. Uh, 2 to 4, I will definitely be back on track with a whole different set. A whole different set of subject matters to talk about. And then it starts all over again the other side of midnight from 12 midnight to uh, 6 in the morning. Then I'm with the aggressive progressive from uh, 3 to 5 on Sunday, and then uh, 9 to 1 uh, on Sunday going into Monday. You don't want to miss the pet hour with my wife Nancy from 12 midnight to 1. Uh, 